This is Commission President Sam Cho convening the regular meeting of February 14th, 2023. The time is now 10.32 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle headquarters building at Pier 69 and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Present today with me are Commissioners Calkins, Feldman, Hazegawa, and Mohammed, who are currently gathered in the executive session room waiting for the opening of the public meeting. We'll now recess into executive session to discuss one item regarding litigation and or potential litigation or legal risk per RCW 42.30.110 sub 1 sub I for approximately 30 minutes and we'll reconvene into public session at noon sharp. Thank you so much. Thank you. We are in recess. Good morning. This is Commission President Sam Cho reconvening the regular meeting of February 14th, 2023. The time is 12.03 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle Headquarters Building Commission Chambers, as well as virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance. Thank you, Commission President. Beginning with Commissioner Fellman. Yes, thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Hasegawa. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Calkins. Uh, I'm here as well. And that was my fault. I was distracted. <laughs> Commissioner Feldman. Thank Sorry you. And Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. We do have a full quorum in attendance today. Great. Due to the continued virtual component of participation for our meetings, we have staff, external presenters, and members of the public who may be presenting on their personal devices or from their telephones today. We've made arrangements to accommodate the virtual format. Later, we'll take public comment on items related to the conduct of the port from people who are participating by teams, as well as from those in person who have signed up to speak. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually, or you are a member of staff in a presentation and or actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Right on cue. <laughs> Thank you. Cell phones. Yeah. When you are recognized to speak, you will press the button for your microphone to be audible, and we and will press it again to silence it when not actively speaking. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting, and I thank you in advance. All votes today will be taken by roll call method so that it's clear for anyone participa participating virtually how the votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. I ask that all commissioners wait to be recognized before speaking. We are meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish, Coast Salish people with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed at or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Please join me now in standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so the first item of business today is approval of the agenda. Are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or motions to rearrange the orders of the day? I believe Commissioner Mohammed has a, uh, a motion to rearrange the agenda. 
That's correct, President Cho. I would like to move to rearrange the agenda and have item 10C come right after public comment. Great. Do I have a second? Excellent. We have a motion and a second. I believe we have a second change to the agenda. Uh, I just would like to pull item 8I from consent. Okay, great. And uh, items pulled from consent will be considered right after we, we consider and vote on the consent agenda. Commissioners, the question is now approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda as amended? So moved. Can I get a second? Second. Excellent. Uh, the motion has been made and seconded. Is there, are there any objections to approval of the agenda as amended? Hearing none, the agenda is approved as amended. Thank you very much. Next, we'll move on to special orders of the day. Commissioners, we do have a special order of the day to begin our meeting. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 4A, proclamation and recognition of February as Black History Month. Good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Director Metric. For the record, I'm Leanne Sherrado, Deputy Chief of Staff for the Port of Seattle Commission. So, sorry, Leanne. Can we actually have Steve present the item and then you can go? Yes, I'm sorry. No, I you're okay. There. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Sorry, Leanne. Sorry, Steve. So, <laughs> this is important. I just wanted to do uh, an intro of this. So, uh, commissioners, from inventors to scholars, business leaders to presidents and political leaders, and advocates of equity and social justice, African Americans have made history for our country and enriched our society. Black History Month is an opportunity for us to understand better that history and to honor the experiences and roles that African, that the important roles that African Americans have made in shaping our nation. As part of our ongoing equity work, the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion in, a, in the Port Chapter of Blacks in Government are highlighting a Black History Month spotlight uh, event every week. Big is also hosting a series of events to commemorate Black History Month. Tomorrow, they will host a lunch and learn on the docu-series High on the Hog, which highlights how African-American cuisine transformed America. The poor continues to strive to be a model for equity, diversity, and inclusion. To achieve that goal, we must acknowledge the racial oppression and deeply rooted racism in our nation's history and commit to work every day to combat um, <clears throat> systemic racism in all of its forms. So with that, I'd like to turn over now to Leanne Sherrado, Deputy Ch Commission Chief of Staff. Uh, to introduce this proclamation. Thank you, Director Metric. Again, my apologies for, for jumping in there. Good afternoon, Commissioners um, and Executive Director Met Metric. For the record, I'm Leanne Shredo, Deputy Chief of Staff for the Port of Seattle Commission. It's my honor to introduce today's proclamation, honoring and recognizing the contributions of the Port's chapter of Blacks in Government. I'd like to do so by first by reading the Big Covenant. I regard myself and you as being created in the image of God. I see your beauty, I sense your power, I celebrate your potential. I support your prerogative to sing your song. I share your pursuit of the highest quality of life. I will tell you the truth and I will have your trust. I will listen to you with my heart and I shall speak to you with my smile. I shall care enough to confront you and to comfort you. In you I see God, and in God I see you. You are my friend, and I love you. Before I pass on to our next speaker, I'd like to first acknowledge the dedication and care put into this proclamation by Commissioner Muhammad, 
the Office of Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and to our next speaker, Big President, Ms. Patricia Lee. Thank you, Leanne. Good afternoon to our commissioners, Executive Director Metric, and to those joining us today. I am Patricia Lee, honored to be the 2023 President of Blacks in Government. We have joined this distinguished body today to read into our history a proclamation that collectively we are committed to empowering the Black youth of this community through education, advocacy, and the Big Scholarship Fund. And Martin? Good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Metric. Um, I'm Martin Doyle, 2023 Vice President of Blacks in Government. Um, and just a bit before we get to the proclamation, I just want to add a little bit um, to what Patricia had mentioned about empowerment. Um, and part of that empowerment is making sure that the next generation has resources to achieve beyond high school and pursue higher education. So now to the proclamation. Thanks, Patricia. Whereas Blacks in Government, big as we're fondly called, established in 1993 at the Port of Seattle is an employee resource group dedicated to equal opportunities and professional development and mandated for their charter to promote excellence through employee advocacy, education, and community service. And whereas during Black History Month and every month of the year, the goals and objective of BIG are to be an advocate of equal opportunity for Blacks in government, to eliminate practices of racism and racial discrimination against Blacks in government, to promote professionalism among Blacks in government, to develop and promote programs which will enhance ethnic pride and educational opportunities for Blacks in government, to establish a mechanism for gathering and disseminating of information to Blacks in government, and to provide a nonpartisan platform on major issues of local, regional, and national significance that affects Blacks in government. And whereas access to quality education translate into opportunities and open doors, it can be the weight that tips the scales and moves a person or a family out of poverty. Quality education usually means more economic security and better quality of life. And whereas just last week, the Seattle Times published a story about how for the first time ever, youth of color make up the majority of students in Washington public schools. Our public schools are changing and we as a state need to change too. And whereas another complex part of this change is that statewide the percentage of black students in our public schools is actually declining. While we may be able to account for some of this decline due to how demographic data is collected, we cannot ignore the data about how black students are treated in public schools, punished in higher rates, and experiencing worse academic outcomes than other races. How we treat black students affect how we treat all students. And whereas we know that representation has the power to raise up the visibility 
and the voices of those who have historically been underrepresented, unseen, and silenced. And whereas representation on the commission was reset with the historic election of Commissioner Hamdi Mohammed as the first black woman to serve on the commission and the first Somali woman elected to public office in Washington state. And whereas the Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion was established in 2019 to create a cultural shift at the Port of Seattle by identifying and addressing the root causes of inequities and to deepen the port's efforts towards equity and anti-racism and does so in participation with ERGs like BIG. And whereas the Port of Seattle chapter of BIG aims to uplift, aims to lift up the next generation through providing support and empowering students to pursue higher education through their BIG scholarship fund and initiatives like Stuff the Bus, Project Prom, and their portwide fall food, coat, and toy drives, which collect school supplies and clothing for local families. And whereas BIG and their allies continue to positively impact the community we all call home. Now, therefore, the Port of Seattle Commission hereby honors and recognizes the contributions of the Port's chapter of Blacks in Government. Commits to amplify the BIG Scholarship Fund to increase the impact of its education grants for college-bound Black students. And celebrates there are many contributions to the Port of Seattle and the broader community. Proclaimed, Proclaimed by, by the Port, Port of Seattle, Seattle Commission, Commission this, this 14th, 14th day of February, February 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. I want to thank the readers of our proclamation today and a big thank you to Blacks in Government for their their ongoing commitment and representation. I'm going to now turn it over to Commissioner Mohammed to begin uh, the discussion and provide some remarks. Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you, President Cho. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say happy Black History Month to everyone who's here today. Um, this is an important uh, time in our, in our uh, history, an important moment to be able to celebrate the contributions of African Americans in the United States. Um, I want to thank the Port of Seattle's chapter of Blacks in Government for working with the Commission Office on this proclamation. Um, it was a process of co-creating. It took, you know, a lot of grace, patience, and a lot of love to make this proclamation happen. And I must say, I'm so proud of it. Um, I want to uh, thank Big's president, Ms. Patricia Lee, and Mr. Martin for your leadership. I also want to thank our Deputy Chief, Chief of Staff, Leanne, for her leadership in helping co-create this proclamation. Co-creation is about the practice of collaborating with other stakeholders to guide the design of a process. When it's done well, it is beautiful and it is powerful. And I'm grateful for your leadership. This proclamation today is about spotlighting blacks in government at the Port of Seattle and the amazing contribution you all have done in our community. I know that my colleagues and I are inspired by your work. Um, in particular, we are inspired by Big's scholarship and its impact that it's had. I've talked to real everyday people that have benefited from this scholarship. We often hear people talk about education as the greater equalizer in terms of addressing gaps in outcomes 
among races, genders, and different communities. And while education is not the magic wand that, undo that undoes centuries of systemic racism, it is a powerful tool. It is one of the reasons why I'm sitting here in front of all of you. It's having that access to education. Shout out to the University of Washington and all Huskies. <laughs> access to quality education translates to opportunities and opens doors. It has opened doors for me and I would say all of the commissioners who are sitting here today. It can be the weight that tips the scale and moves a person or a family out of poverty. Quality education usually means more economic security and a better quality of life. This is also why the work of blacks in government and the big scholarship is critical. I am honored to commit to working with big to figure out ways to expand this fund, to increase the impact of its educational grants for college bound black students. And while the big scholarship might seem like a, a, a small thing to some of you, it is huge to so many. We can choose to lead by example. We could put our, our words into action. Not only is education, not just through education, but through our work and our lives, I encourage us, myself included, I hold myself accountable, to think about the impact of our actions. In the spirit of Black History Month, and because he was brilliant, I want to sh share a James Baldwin quote. He wrote, history does not refer merely or even principally to the past. On the contrary, the great force of history comes from the fact that we carry it within us and are unconsciously controlled by it in so many ways. And history is literally present in all we do. And in other words, despite our best intentions, we are all influenced by the product of the past, the unjust, the just, and everything in between it. And while there are many incredible things about the United States, I am so grateful for this country. We cannot ignore the fact of our dark history, specifically when it comes to anti-black racism. It is baked into our institutions, it is baked into our culture, and at times it has become so normal that it's hard to see. Being well attended is, is not enough. Words are not enough. We must speak with our actions. We have to ask ourselves, are we creating opportunities or barriers? Who is benefiting from our work and who is left out. We must slow down, challenge business as usual, recognize our assumptions, and ask hard questions.
and center the voices of those who are most impacted to fix issues that are in front of us. We can create a truly inclusive, multicultural, multiracial democracy. But to be successful, we have to be creative, get uncomfortable, and do things differently. I'm so inspired by the work that Big is doing. I want to continue to support it. Someone once said, stay far from timid. Only make moves when your heart is in it. And li live the phrase, the sky is the limit. B-I-G. <laughs> if you know, you know. I, I am so inspired by the work of Big. I am so inspired by the work of BIG. You are doing it B-I-G. Mm. And the BIG scholarship is just that. This black history, may we all think bigger. The sky is the limit for the BIG scholarship fund. I hope other ERG groups are inspired by it, inspired by this work as much as I am. I'm interested in working alongside all of you. I'm looking forward to working with OED's director, book to Gezar and moving this work forward. Thank you again, Big, for this, for your opp the opportunity you've created and helping create, uh, write the proclamation today. Um, we look forward to continuing to support your work. And I just want to say to everyone again, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. Wow. Thank you so much, Commissioner Mohammed. Uh, thank you so much. We're so blessed to have you here up on this dais. I'm going to open it up to my, uh, my colleagues for comments. Uh, do any commissioners have co comments? Or, uh, and it's, hard, it's a hard act to follow. <laughs> I don't blame anyone, but uh, I'm sure. Commissioner Calkins. Sure, I'll be the lounge singer who goes up after Beyonce. <laughs> um, I, I just, uh, th this, is another opportunity for us to think not just about what our work is, but how we do our work. And um, you know, our mission very explicitly states that we are to do this work in a, in a way that results in equity. And equity means that it's not simply um, ensuring that uh, everybody has an opportunity, but that everybody has access to the types of resources you need to even um, be able to, to uh, make use of those opportunities, whether it's a contractor or a potential employee or um, other, you know, tenants at our facilities um, or all, wow, we have a lot of interruptions today. <laughs> um, I, but I, I think uh, we have just, I, I feel like maybe we're at the end of the beginning of our work um, to, to really rectify a long history of, um, uh, a, a racist legacy in our own institution. And I know that I, getting to be your colleague, learn from you all the time about how to do this better, and particularly what my role can be in that, in um, serving to understand how I can communicate to folks who look like me what, what that experience is like. And I'm committed to that. And so once again, I'm truly grateful uh, for your leadership, Commissioner Mohammed, and I'm gladly going to vote for this proclamation. 
So right on cue, I'm going to ask everyone to take a look at their phones real quick. Everyone look at their phones. Seriously, pull out your phones and silence it. Or turn it off, even better. All right, thank you very much. Commissioner uh, uh, Hasegawa. Well, today collectively we just witnessed um, Commissioner Muhammad become the first commissioner to quote Notorious B.I.G. from the <laughs> dais. <laughs> um, you know, um, I just want to acknowledge the labor of love that went into drafting this incredibly thoughtful proclamation. I look forward to voting for it. Um, it's incredibly important that we acknowledge that the dream of this nation was built off of the backs and the subjugation of black people in this country. And that history is so important. It's important the way that we reflect upon it. It's important the way we talk about it, the way we teach about it, and the way we learn from it. So that we might not repeat the same errors of the past. And when we talk about advancing equity, it's insufficient. It's insufficient because as Commissioner Mohammed said, it's embedded, it's ingrained into our structures and our culture and our very way of being. We must pair pro-equity with anti-racism as well. We have barriers to tear down. We have norms to unlearn. Um, so I want to thank Big for the incredible thought that you've put in to uplifting the educational component in this proclamation. And though history is important, um, a wise woman once said from the dais exactly one year ago, Commissioner Muhammad said, I'm less interested, though, in black history as I am in black futures. And to sit alongside you and to witness the work that Big does in conjunction with Port of Seattle staff to uplift not just this port community, but the community at large is truly a privilege. I thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Fallon. Well, I'd, I'd like to just acknowledge how much uh, more significant Black History Month is this, this year with your leadership and the uh, synergy that is between Big and your office particularly. And so it's really a, always a very rewarding experience to have um, different groups bring forward these educational moments and these important recognitions, but to know that we can carry it forward from the inside out and the support from the staff all around has been really a rewarding experience this past year and look forward to continuing that. and your leadership here. Um, we are so much better uh, with your presence here on the dais, as I said earlier. Um, it's so clear from how much more engagement we get from the community as a result of you being here. You've spearheaded issues that, quite frankly, many of our former colleagues and us on the dais have been afraid to touch. And I think that you have a huge presence of people from community here because of that. Um, and so I really appreciate your leadership here. And uh, I know we all feel the same way about you. I also want to thank, um, you know, B.I.G., Patricia Lee, the Notorious, um, and uh, all the other, <laughs> I saw that eye roll, uh, <laughs> um, uh, Patricia, Martin, and all the former B.I.G. leadership as well. We have a long legacy 
of, of leadership here. Um, BIG is one of the strongest ERGs we have here. I had the honor of speaking at your uh, dinner event uh, a few years ago, and I was just so touched by uh, the level of engagement that we have from our uh, African-American and black uh, employees at, uh, at the Port of Seattle. I think it's one of our greatest assets. I agree with Commissioner Mohammed. We should continue to look for ways to support the next generation through scholarship, uh, through training. And so I uh, look personally look forward to joining in that effort to figure out uh, how we can continue to support your scholarship efforts um, and potentially use that as a rubric for scholarship efforts for all the other ERGs as well. And so thank you for all your great work in that, in that space. Um, with that, uh, hearing no further discussion for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for a vote. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. There are five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Next on our agenda is the Executive Director's Report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. Thank you, President Cho. Good afternoon, Commissioners. And let me uh, again uh, thank, wish you a happy uh, uh, Black History Month, and especially thanks for those moving and uh, very inspirational statements and uh, Commissioner Mohammed and, and all the other commissioners for that, and especially for the recognition of the hard work of our Port of Seattle Blacks in Government chapter and all their contributions uh, to the port um, for a long, long time here at the port. Uh, I have a few quick updates I'd like to share but moving before we move to today's agenda. One of the things that I do want to um, mention today is, uh, especially as we you know, we think about operations, and operations are happening all the time. And so last night at the airport, I don't know if you've seen the update from uh, uh, Managing Director of Aviation Lance Little last night about what occurred and how, and how we responded to it, which uh, you had a lightning storm followed by rain, snow, hail, and sleet and icing. Yeah. So there were a lot of operations going on. Matter of fact, when I talked to um, Managing Director Little this, this morning before I came here, it's like that's where he is and he's working hard on that with a whole team that worked through the night uh, to do that to make sure that the operations were restored by the time we're going on there. But that's just one of the challenges of one of our gateways is making sure that we're always prepared and responding to that going forward. I have a couple of other uh, Port of Seattle staff updates that aren't as exciting as that work going on last night, but are very important. Um, you may have seen the good news from uh, Managing Director Little that earlier this month that Seattle Tacoma International Airport has hired Arif Gauss as the new Aviation Chief Operating Officer. Now, Arif returns to uh, the Port of Seattle after eight successful years at the airport, as the Airport Director of Painfield Snohomish County Airport. He worked previously at the port from 2000 to 2014, leading airport security and then directing seaport security and emergency preparedness, as well as uh, being an airport duty manager during that time. A uh, warm welcome back to Arif. I look forward to all of you meeting Arif in the, in the starting week. And, uh, and, and actually, it was a great honor to work with Arif in my previous position before I became to the port as well. And I'd also like to extend my gratitude and appreciation to both Don Hunter and Wendy Ryder for serving as interim aviation chief operating officer during the past year and for all the work that they've done during that time period. And I know that uh, Managing Director uh, Lance Little appreciates that too, as he said. 
Um, you may have also seen that we've begun the recruitment process for a, a new deputy executive director. As you know, Dave Soike, our current direct, uh, deputy executive director, will re be retiring in the near future, a date to be determined. And I think we're all um, um, wishing the best for Dave, but first we've got to have somebody to try to fill his uh, rather large shoes going forward. And so we'll be hosting a showcase and a question and answer to share more about the position this coming uh, or Friday, February 17th at noon for those interested in learning more about the job and the position and what it takes. Um, something that's just as important as filling our top jobs is keeping our employees that we have. As part of overall retention efforts, non-represented employees will see a 6% cost of living adjustment reflected in their February 17th paychecks. This increase is over and above the regular pay-for-performance process that will be finalized at the end of this week. We appreciate the hard work of our port staff, and we understand the, the impact of inflation on the cost of living in the Seattle region. And so this change in our approach to compensation, to a combination both of cost of living adjustment and pay-for-performance, is key to our recruitment and retention of our, our valuable workforce. Switching to operations, one of our signature initiatives, the Green Cruise, the Cruise Green Corridor, reached a key milestone this month when the First Movers Coalition finalized a project charter. The charter defines this green corridor as a shipping route where low and zero greenhouse gas emission solutions are demonstrated and supported through collaboration across sectors to accelerate maritime decarbonization. Representatives from each of these first mover organizations have met regularly since the launch last year to make decisions about the project's objectives, definitions, values, governance, and approach. These decisions are formalized in the project charter, which will govern the partnership in the development of a multi-phase green corridor feasibility assessment to inform the process of decarbonizing the cruise corridor going forward. I want to uh, acknowledge the dedication of all the partners involved in this project, bringing 14 very different organizations to the table to work together on this challenge of our time has required trust and commitment from everyone. Establishing the norms for doing this work is, very, is time very well spent not just for our organizations, but for the benefit of cruise ports around the world. This important milestone sets a strong foundation for ongoing collaborative work, starting with the first phase of the feasibility assessment this year. Commissioners received briefings on the key elements within the Charter in late, late fall 2022, and the Charter remains consistent with the port's expectations. We're pleased to have a final vision and to focus our attention on launching a solicitation for consultant support for the feasibility study in the coming months and making this a priority for that as well. Uh, we're all, we're all, we are also working on ways to update the public and other stakeholders as we achieve additional Green Corridor milestones moving forward. Moving to today's commission meeting, I'd like to highlight a few items. Item 8C on our consent agenda is a modification of the interlocal agreement with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, our NREL, so the Port of, or NREL, the Port of Seattle has partnered with NREL twice before through this interlocal agreement. This is for the first time, for the first time was for analyzing energy and technology alternatives for both aviation and maritime facilities, and the second time was to develop a passenger mode choice simulator. This authorization amends the scope of the agreement to integrate the port's existing traffic model to determine the impacts of changes in traffic congestion on passenger behavior. The user interface is, is expected to be completed by the fourth quarter of this year. Item 8D on your consent agenda is a, is a tenant reimbursement agreement for a build-out of a new location for planeware at SEA. 
This popular women-owned shop started off as a kiosk and has successfully and steadily grown their operations. Their current location will be impacted by our Sea Concourse expansion, which is prompting their relocation. I want to thank the airport staff who were able to identify a new location that was mutually agreeable to all parties. Item 8E on our consent agenda authorizes the popular Port Valet program through 2025. This program frees cruise passengers of their luggage upon disembarkation, which in turn enables a more seamless trip through SEA for the next leg of the voyage. It also allows for passengers to continue spending their tourism dollars in the region without having to worry about where their luggage is and what to do with it. We're pleased to continue to offer this service over the next three years. We also have two items related to ground transportation and I'll have more to say about each of those actions during their introduction. Thank you, commissioners. This concludes my remarks. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, we are now at committee reports. Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, will provide the report. Erica. Good afternoon, President Cho and commissioners. Um, I have three committee reports for you today. Uh, Commissioner Fellman and Calkins convened the Waterfront and Industrial Lands Committee on February 6th. The purpose of the meeting was to meet with representatives from the City of Seattle to discuss the City's work on proposed changes to industrial land zone. On January 31st, Commissioners Hasegawa and Calkins convened the Equity and Workforce Development Committee. Commissioners reviewed the draft 2023 Equity and Workforce Development Work Plan and modified and added several items to the work plan, including a plan to discuss the SCA child care study at the July meeting. Commissioners then approved the committee work plan for the year. Commissioners also received an abridged preview of the Office of Equity and Diversity Inclusion's annual presentation, which included a look back at 2022 and a look ahead at OADI's work plan for 2023. The, the first Highline Forum met on January 25th and was chaired by Commissioner Fellman. The main focus of the meeting was review of the top three issues from each of the nine forum members 2023 state legislative agendas. Common issues among forum members included workforce development, housing, behavioral health services and facilities, clarification around the Blake decision and police vehicle pursuits and various capital budget requests. Aviation Managing at Director Lance Little provided an update from the December start meeting, noting the focus on the Pellicciotti bill and the start of the process for a new Part 150 noise study. During the meeting, members selected Des Moines Mayor Matt Mahoney to serve as a 2023 committee co-chair. This concludes the report. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Any questions for Erica or Steve? All right, seeing none, uh, let's move on to public comment. Uh, we are now at the public comment section of our agenda. The Port Commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by commission in its deliberations. Before we take the public comment, I want to review our rules for in-person virtual public comment. Each commentator will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two-minute period for each speaker. You must limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of support business. These rules apply to introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the commission as a body, not to any individual commissioner. Disruptions of commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include but are not limited to the following refusal of a speaker to speak uh, to limit to remarks to topics related to the conduct of poor business, threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language, 
obscene language and gestures, refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment, leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written materials to the commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in a speaker's microphone being immediately shut off and a warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting as provided in the clerk's, uh, commission's bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually as well as anyone who has joined us in the chambers today. When I call your name, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct report business. If you're on the Teams meeting and are also streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid any feedback. If you are speaking from the room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name, and state your topic related to the conduct of business. As a reminder, <laughs> comment time will be limited to two minutes per person. And today I'm going to take a, a little bit of a different approach on coming a public testimony. I usually go in person, virtual, and, and rotate, but uh, we have some thematic or uh, topic-related uh, speakers. So I'm going to go by topic. Um, the first person I'd like to call for public comment is actually Shawnice Wilson. Is Shawnice in the room? Shawnice, come on up. If you could uh, restate your name for the record and the topic you'll be speaking to, and then you have two minutes. Yeah. Thank you. So for the record, my name is Shawnice Wilson. Uh, she, her. And I will be talking about uh, the Port of Seattle's chapter of Blacks in Government. All right. So you're going to have to forgive me. It's my first time. It'll flash, right? Or two minutes will show up? All right. So good afternoon, commissioners, and happy Black History Month and Future Month. Uh, for the record, again, my name is Shanice Wilson. And I am here today in support of the Port of Seattle's chapter of Blacks in Government and their big scholarship. With many local jurisdictions like yourself having proclaimed February as Black History Month, I am here today to urge you all to put action behind those words and truly support efforts that cultivate a more equitable and just world. One way in which I believe you all can be a part of this change is with investments to organizations like BIG and its BIG Scholarship. As a lifelong member of South King County, with dreams of going to college and being a leader within my own community, it was scholarships like the one I received from BIG that allowed me to get the education I needed to do so. Standing before you today is an example of the great work and impact BIG scholarship, uh, scholarship program has had on our local community. One of the few programs in our region working to eliminate financial barriers for African American youth interested in going to college. I am proud to say I, am, I graduated cum laude from Seattle University and now have the honor of serving my community as a public servant thanks to BIG. I'm truly thankful. This Black History Month, I ask you all to put your words to action and expand the BIG scholarship. From police brutality to voter suppression and the uneven economic recovery coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, black communities have been left behind. If change is truly what you hope to see, please consider supporting blacks in government. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Shanice. All right, next up on the list, uh, I would like to ask Mr. Hayward Evans to come up and provide his testimony. Mr. Evans, if you. 
if you if you could uh, go ahead and state your name and uh, the topic related to the port for the record. Thank you. I'm so I'm so grateful to be here. My name is Hayward Evans. I'm with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition. We're made up of a broad cross-section of community-based and faith-based organizations and businesses. And we're here to say we support you, Commissioner Mohammed, 100%. We are so proud of her, Steve. Exactly. We're proud of you, too. You know this, but anyway. Very intro. But we're very proud of all of you here down at the port. That's why you don't see me that much, but this big is extremely important. When we talk about the disparity gaps in wealth, the disparity gaps in education, and what you're attempting to address, clearly, I like to say, you know, people's hearts where their wallet's at. Where, where, where's your wallet? Where's your heart? And when you do write that check for big, because I know you will, and Commissioner Hasegawa, we're so proud of you, but you know, that's another story. Uh, when you do write that check, make sure you're taking into consideration the fact there's over an 8% drop-off rate of African Americans. If you look at the enrollment in colleges, it's down critically. And if you just look at Seattle, and I was born and raised here, most black youth won't stay in Seattle. They say there's no opportunity. My daughter's moving to D.C., my son moved to California. Eddie's daughter's not here either. There's a lot of people, and I can name some other names that you know these people were supposedly part of the black leadership, descendants of the African-American enslaved. Our children are saying, where's the opportunity? Well, the scholarship through BIG provides them something that they say, I can build on this, and I can stay a part of this and become a stakeholder invested member of this community. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Evans. So as I stated earlier, I'm, I'm approaching public comments thematically today, which is why I'm going to ask Mr. Eddie Rye to come up for his testimony as well. Thank you. Mr. Rye, if you could state your name for the record and uh, the topic you'll be speaking on. Yes, sir. Eddie Rye, Jr. with the Washington State Chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors and host of Urban Forum Northwest Radio. I had uh, some of the commissioners on. I think I've had all of them on. Ryan Calkins is a little late but I'll catch up with him. But I'm here, uh, I, that's because I haven't invited him yet, but he's next. But I want to say that uh, I would like to hear a dollar amount of what the port is going to commit to uplifting black students uh, to become, uh, have an opportunity to go, to go to college, get a higher education, to get a better job. Uh, we have a, a lot of serious issues in the state. Uh, as you know, there was no affirmative action for 23 years. Last year, Gary Locke rescinded his uh, Governor's Directive 98-01, so the JNZ could uh, institute an uh, a executive order. The sad thing is, is that we've had nine disparity studies in the last 10 years. I'll say the same thing black folks are discriminated against. Uh, most recently, we got uh, the, from the state, uh, black participation last year was 0.18. I'm sure the poor are doing better than that. But the most important thing is, is to make sure that the scholarship fund is meaningful and substantial so folks can be helped. The other thing is, is that uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida does not want anybody to know the atrocities black folks faced in this country. Uh, there were, after reconstructing the Civil War, there were over 1,100 black elected appointed officials. When President Andrew Johnson removed the federal troops, they were ran out of business, uh, their land was taken, and uh, there was atrocity in 1920 in Florida where a black man went to vote and folks burned down the entire black community and killed damn near all the black people there. They're still finding graves, y'all, of black folks who were murdered and tortured a long time ago. 
We have paid all the prices for this make this country great. We've died in every war. And before the United States became the United States, this country had 254 years of free labor called slavery. You give me 254 years of free labor and I'll be rich too. So I really hope that you take this into consideration and hopefully the poor is doing a lot better with equity and contracting than everybody else. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Thank you, Mr. Rye. Appreciate you coming down, providing testimony. Next on uh, our list of speakers, we're going to go to the theme of taxis. Joshua Walter. Thank you. Joshua, if you could state your name for the record and the topic. Raise them high, y'all. <laughs> Commissioners, uh, uh, President Cho and members of the commission, uh, for the record, my name is Joshua Welter from Teamsters 117. Um, I think it's uh, really fitting that um, uh, we're expecting a vote uh, today uh, during Black History Month um, and on Valentine's Day. Um, um, and uh, uh, we want to say uh, two words that uh, uh, you probably don't hear often enough. Thank you. Um, uh, for the work that you do. Thank you for the work that you do, lifting up voices of folks who are too often not heard um, and marginalized, uh, folks who um, uh, uh, face a legacy of exclusion, um, uh, excluded, not, not your fault, excluded from the uh, protections um, at work under the National Labor Relations Act to have a voice at work. And, you know, we're doing stuff to um, address that here at the Port of Seattle. Um, we're doing stuff to make sure that uh, 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 drivers have a voice um, at work, and uh, we really want to say thank you. We want to look forward to the ongoing work that we're going to be doing together, um, both with the Port of Seattle and also with other partners at King County um, around issues related to minimum fares and short trips, um, issues related to um, uh, uh, marketing, um, issues related to dispute resolution. We're looking, looking forward to working in a collaborative way um, as we move forward. And um, uh, one more time, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it. The next speaker we have on the list is Samson. Oh, my goodness. Hilojoris. I'm sorry if I put you that in. Samson, are you in the room? Mr. Commission President, you, you may want to queue up the next person after. So okay. They after Samson, it's going to be Worku Balene. Samson, if you could sp sp uh, say your uh, full name and the topic related to the port. Okay, my name is Samson Haidejoris. I'm speaking about the driver issue. Uh, I want to say thank you. Uh, so Point of order, if we could. Okay. Uh, thank you to the port commissioner, the port staff, our union, Semester Local 117, the media and the general public who fought, advocate, and stood for vulnerable community. We are standing on our final battle on, we are standing on our final battleground for survival. If we lose this fight, today will be the end of my 18 years career. But with you, the commissioner, we will be able to survive the next five years without anxiety. On behalf of all the port driver, I recognize and witness your stand for the port core principle, for core principle mission, value 
and equitable opportunity for the minority. Thank you and happy Black uh, History Month and happy Valentine to all of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Next is Worku Balene, and then after Worku, it's going to be Hebi Jamak. So please be ready. Worku, if you could uh, uh, say your full name for the record and the topic uh, related to the port you'll be speaking on. Okay, my name is Worku Balaina. Uh, I'm speaking today about the airport contracts. I am driving one for hire. Uh, I'd like to say thank you, all your dear commissioner, uh, for today's decision. Uh, I'm honored to uh, uh, what you accomplish as a final uh, uh, decision. Also, I'd like to say, uh, Executive Director, thank you for your uh, support too. Also, I'd like to say thank you, uh, the port staff. Uh, they work hard, and uh, uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Higgy. And then, that one, there you go. If you can say your full name for the record and uh, the topic of your uh, comments, Fitaber uh, Gidens is next. Man, really uh, my name is Haibe yeah. Jamak. Uh, my friends know me as Jamal. Uh, thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I'm very thankful for the time you put up and the efforts. And uh, I'm thankful to the port employees. Uh, say thank you guys for working with us. Uh, we were having a little bit pushbacks and all this, but you know, at the end of the day, we are a team. We work together. Uh, uh, my friend, fellow drivers, thank you for standing with me and backing me up all the time. And thank you, and thank you to the, uh, the day for uh, February 14th, uh, Black History Day. We appreciate that, and it's a great always to remember uh, the black men who were here and what they went through for so many years. Hamdi, thank you uh, for whatever you do for us, too. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And then Fita Bear. If you could state your full name and uh, topic for the record. Thank you. My name is Fitaber Gudina. Uh, you try to call my last name. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a long story, but um, I remember we started str struggle uh, 18, uh, 2018 with uh, I never forget we came from just Port of Seattle and uh, uh, one one seven our semester they helped me they helped us a lot still we are working thanks to God and uh, I need say thank you for give us for our children food everything uh, for five years contract very 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 I'm so glad and uh, I say thank you God bless you guys and I appreciate for the you are contribute with a lady or with girl, uh, Muhammad, 
and I like uh, just say thank us to God and thank us to her too. Uh, just this is a, a big, big change for us. Thank you so much. I need to say God bless you guys, all of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Next, continuing on the theme is Peter, is it Q or Cray? Peter? Yeah, I should just If you can st uh, state your full name for the record and the topic related to the port. Thank you, Peter. Um, thank you, Commissioner Show. Thank you, all of you. My name is Peter Quill. I'm president of Driver Union. I'm here today um, to thank you on what you're working for, for uh, TNC drivers, over and live drivers in Port of Seattle. I just want to thank you for what you are working for. It is necessary, it's very important, it's a life-saving. I want to thank all of you on that, and also in solidarity with our brothers, the taxi cab drivers. Uh, I want to thank you for what you have done for them too. And also, I will stand in solidarity with BIP, uh, the black in, in a government. I, I would like to be staying in solidarity. This is a black man, black historical man, and it's wonderful proclamation that I made. Thank you for the word you have given Sister Amdi. It's amazing. It's a moving, moving speech. And thank you for that. I would like to thank all of you for all what you are doing in our state of Washington. I think we are doing a lot more than any state in American history. So we have making HB 2076 been fast, and that is giving a lot of shine to many uh, working families. And thank you for all what you are doing. May God bless you. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> and then last speaker on uh, the topic of taxis is uh, Ismail. Is Ismail here? Sumatar? Sumatar, sorry. Ismail? <laughs> someone read? Is it? That's right. Okay. Is he is he here? You signed your name. Is he online? Not here. Okay. Well, maybe we'll come back to him at the end of the uh, at the end of the se uh, session. All right. Moving on in our agenda, I'll, I'll go ahead and call. Uh, oh, are you right there? No, no, no. I'm here. I want to speak. I was going to sign up myself, but I want to speak. Where are you? I'm sorry. I'm confused. So what's going on? Uh, so you have additional. So I will call for additional items at the end of public comment. You have not put your name down here, and so I can't call on you until until I go through everyone who's uh, commented. And then please raise your hand and let me know when I call for additional speakers. Okay? So just just be on the lookout. Um, next speaker is Alex Zimmerman. Alex, if you could speak, uh, say your whole name and for the record and uh, the topic. That's you. Yeah. Yes, Alex. Yeah. It's, it's hard to read your handwriting. I thought you were ready, man. Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hello. Hello, my best friend. Yeah, microphone is working. Yeah. 
Uh, Alex, I, I'll turn it on. If you could repeat your name for the record and your, your name topic. And topic. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. No problem. Yes. Yeah, I will do this. Exactly. But first I need to talk hello. Hello, my best friend. Where's problem? It's not America. I'm starting more? the timer. Okay. Hello, my best friend. My name is Alex Zimmerman. I'm president of Stand Up America. When I speak about Agenda TC, about contract with these poor babies, you know, five-year contract and a business consultant for many years, top educate you me. I never see contract for five years with taxi driver in my life. And this absolutely BS because price only for last two, three years triple in everything. So after five years, when dollar will be fallen, inflation will be kill everything. The America going down right now. Dollar will be cost nothing. And this five years is absolutely stupid. Not mere correction, what is you have for this five years, but situation simple. You are crook by definition. Is this a poor people who don't understand who you are? It's number one. Number two. About black people, I have black blood too, you know what this means, I have many blood because I'm a Jew. So, situation very simple right now. There's no more black community in Seattle, it's all gone. Yeah, it's very interesting in another minority, all gone for the last five, six years. This under-democrat mafia bandita, a pure fascist, is exactly what's happened. So salary in Seattle right now, $120,000, who, guys, you have $120,000 per year, who, huh? show me, who? Alex, I'm going to cut you off, you need to stay within the topic of the port. How we need is brainwash, you understand? We need to doing something what is real. You don't do it under Democrat mafia. This is exactly what is happening now. You don't show me your low back because you always, when I speak, sir, you always show Alex, me. I'm going to cut you off. You need to stay within the bounds of, of topics related to the poor. This is your second warning, Alex. No, no, I, I'll interrupt you if I want. This is a second warning. If you get a third, you'll be kicked out. Mr. Commission President, Governor Switch. It's killed. Speak about All right, this. your uh, your time's up. Our next speaker is Patrick McGee. Patrick, are you in the room? There you are. If you want to call the speaker again, Mr. Commission President. Oh, he's right behind you. Oh, okay, thank you. Thanks, Patrick. If you could uh, state your name for the record and the topic you'll be speaking uh, on. Yeah, my name is Pat McKee, and first I want to acknowledge some of the really profoundly moving comments here today, and that's a credit to all of you. But my objective in coming here today is to pursue the restoration of a cruise-free Salish Sea. Mega ships carrying thousands of passengers, most of them arriving by air, have no place plying and despoiling the coastline of the planet's last great temperate rainforest. Fossil fuel cruise is an unsustainable model that commodifies and ultimately destroys the very web of life it purports to celebrate. That's my objective. What are your objectives as leaders of the port? What are the economic and environmental assumptions that drive decision-making regarding cruise? You know, has there been an independent assessment of cruises' actual costs and human health and environmental degradation and regional economic productivity, not just for some narrowly designated near port scope, but for the entirety of the Alaska route? By these metrics, what does cruise cost in Seattle, in Victoria, in Juneau, in Ketchikan? 
and until we know how in the world do we justify growing this business is there an end game or just the hope that some zero emission or is it net zero solution will miraculously become available in 2050 green hydrogen ammonia methanol we have no idea yet right but in the meantime why would we keep expanding an industry that demonstrates its contempt for all of us every day cruise ships they burn the cheapest fuel available they dump incredibly toxic scrubber residue into the ocean they discharge the accumulated daily garbage and plastic waste and sewage of the small cities they are into our coastal waters they pay workers as little as two dollars an hour and what about exhaust and particulate matter in ports you know only one of seattle's cruise facilities is equipped for shore power how many in skagway not to mention Dr. Burton's estimate that a six-month se season of Alaska cruise and associated air travel produces greenhouse gas emissions equal to a third of Seattle's over a whole year. So it's a lot to sort out, but shouldn't the port at least start by capping passenger and sailing numbers and have done so? Thank you. Thanks for your comments. Next, we're going to go on to Jennifer Longley. Uh, the next four speakers are virtual, so thank you all for hanging in there virtually uh, while we get through those folks in, in person. Jennifer Longley, can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Uh, could you please state your full name and topic related to the port for the record, and then you'll get two minutes. My name is Jennifer Longley, and I'm the owner of Planeware, and this is in reference to the TRA for Planeware. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you for this opportunity to allow me to speak on my behalf. Um, I am a woman-owned ACDBE local small business and have been operating at SeaTac Airport since 2014. I have put my heart and soul into this business. We started at the introductory kiosk program where we proved our concept and are loved by passengers, airline crew, and flight enthusiasts. We have actually become a destination store for many. We completed the 18-month introductory program, and at the time, the intermediate program hadn't been developed yet. We were able to obtain a temporary location in the B concourse while we waited for an RFP to be released for us to bid. We were awarded the RFP and new store location in the B concourse and began the design process when we were informed that the space we were awarded was no longer available and were given a different space in the D gates. We again began our design process, but due to not enough infrastructure, we couldn't build out our brand design and concept, and were only able to renovate the space. We have been extremely impacted through the years, but the ADR team has been extremely gracious in helping us through these hardships. But here I am again, after operating my business successfully for two years in the current location, and are now being seriously impacted by the new capital project and sea concourse expansion. We were told we would be shut down for three to four years. I am grateful for the ADR team who were able to find a space and solution to keep us viable. These capital projects have a huge impact on small business and this TRA will make us whole again. Thanks for this opportunity for me to share my story with you and I wanna thank Don Hunter, Kalia Moore, and of course Lance Little for supporting me and working exhaustively um, through this time. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Next speaker is Don Hunter. Hi, Don. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, Woo! Good afternoon, Don, if you could state your full name for the record and the topic you're speaking on and then yes. you'll get your two minutes. Good to see you. <laughs> 
Good to see you as well. Um, happy Black History Month. My name is Don Hunter, and I am speaking on item 8D, the tenant reimbursement, and also comment on item 10C, the on-demand taxi flat rate motion in support of the aviation commercial management team. As I said, my name is Don Hunter, uh, and I'm here to support the aviation commercial management team. First, on the first end, Jennifer Longley is the owner of Playmore, who you just heard, and has been part of the SA family for since 2014, starting in the small business kiosk and ultimately in her space. Uh, and as she described, her space has been continually impacted over and over again by for different reasons. First, infrastructure, then capital projects. But the port under your leadership we have really gained grounds on becoming good business partners with our small business, DBE, and ACDBE community. Uh, this reimbursement is the right thing to do um, in the spirit of that partnership. And then lastly, I wanted to comment on item 10C. Um, I'm glad to see everyone happy and smiling. I reflect back on the last commission meeting we had where staff gave a briefing on taxis, and I left there relatively sad sad because I'm the daughter of black immigrants who came to this country and it's hard for me to sit by and watch um, other immigrant communities being um, misinformed or or even manipulated in certain ways and also listen to misinformation about the commercial management staff and the ops team especially how they handled the pilot alluding to them not getting you know your uh, approval before moving over which was also not true I wanted to say to you uh, commissioners from being in the trenches, these teams work hard and spend many hours to assure that the staff is doing the right thing, not only for the airport, but definitely also for the drivers. So I urge you, as we support our immigrant communities, let's make sure we're doing it in a way where we don't leave them vulnerable to misinformation and it promotes their success so they can feed their families. Um, I missed my time at the port, but as you can see, I'll always show up to advocate for small business, women, immigrant communities, minority communities that do business here. So thank you so much for hearing my testimony. Thank you, Don. Good to see you. Uh, next on our list of speakers is Aubrey Wisdom. Is Aubrey there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Aubrey. You have two minutes. If you could state your uh, full name for the record and the topic you'll be speaking on. Uh, my name is Aubrey Wisdom. I'll be talking about the threats to North SeaTac Park and forced land around SeaTac Airport. Um, good afternoon to the commission. My name is Aubrey, and I'm a student at the University of Washington, interning with South Seattle Climate Action Network and the Defenders of North SeaTac Park. I'm speaking today because I'm concerned about the plans published in the Port Sustainable Airport Master Plan and Real Estate Strategic Plan. If these plans are followed, Tree-covered land within North SeaTac Park, in addition to an estimated 107 acres of forested land in SeaTac, will be deforested and developed. The 2020 Public Health Report to the Washington State Legislature clearly details how communities living near SeaTac Airport face disproportionate health impacts, including high rates of asthma, stroke, heart disease, and lower life expectancies. It also emphasizes that according to census data, nearly three quarters of all King County residents who identify as black or African American reside within 10 miles of SeaTac Airport, and the majority of other minority communities also reside here. This is clearly not just an environmental issue, but an environmental justice issue. Research shows that urban tree canopies are critical to mitigating the health effects of airport pollution, and FAA documents from 2016 even acknowledge that North SeaTac Park was initially created to compensate the area residents for cumulative airport impacts. P 
people deserve to live healthy lives in healthy neighborhoods with undisturbed access to community and health enriching green spaces. I'm urging you today to enact a moratorium on tree forestation within two miles of SeaTac Airport until there's a plan in place to ensure adequate tree canopy for this community. The decisions you make at this moment in time will affect the quality of life in these communities for generations to come. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Aubrey. And then last uh, on speak, uh, our signups is Joe Kunzler. Joe, are you with us? Yes, sir. Excellent. Can you hear me, uh, sir? Thank yes, you. if you could state your full name and the topic uh, for the record, and if you could speak a little bit, uh, up a little bit, you're a little uh, light on the sound. Okay, uh, Joe Kunzler here. Uh, my topic is generally the conduct of the court enforcing public comment. Um, you may have noticed I'm a white guy, and I very strongly appreciate what you did today, Preston Joe. Um, I hope that is a new norm in dealing with a certain troubled individual who uh, comes to your meetings to campaign and to hurl hate, and I think there should just be a zero tolerance policy for that. Uh, I don't find most of this troubled individuals, Alex's comments, uh, relevant to the conduct of the port. Um, I also should say early on in my comments that I do write professionally about the port uh, for an outlet. I'm not going to name the outlet because my comments are not reflective of theirs or related to that, that work. Um, but I certainly appreciate uh, all the Port of Seattle's wonderful professionals, whether they be public relations or your wonderful uh, clerk Hart or your uh, you know, or the rest of your staff, your wonderful port police. Um, I think the, I want to conclude with a positive thought on Valentine's Day. And that is generally that um, I love the Seattle, Tacoma International Airport. I think it is the most beautiful uh, airport in the world. And I certainly wish the airport um, great success in, in the future and more aircraft and more sweet, sweet jet noise and uh, again, I think your court does a great job as well. So thank you. Thanks, Joe. Come by more often. Um, that concludes our sign-up today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up but wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and state the topic for, related to the conduct of the port you wish to speak about for the record. Hands up. Who? All right, we have one individual here. If you could just come up to the dais here and... State your full name and the topic related to the port. You'll get two minutes. Uh, one over. One over. It's fine. One over. Oh, there you go. Great. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Aden Hassan. I'm a owner operator, a taxi at Seattle SeaTac. First, I want to thank the port commissioners and the port staff and the ground transportation for being there for us, friendly, when we approach them, being approachable. First, I want to say thank you, thank you. Uh, that does not mean things have been very smooth and uh, certain. Actually, there's been a lot of uncertainty for the last four years. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, having a job security, and in terms of many times we heard like uh, there is a situation that the port wanted to raise per tree fee or uh, the pilot program that was uh, year to year 
and that was not a stable uh, situation for us to work. Uh, I want to explain a little bit about who we are as uh, taxi drivers at the airport. We are about 400 plus taxi drivers. Uh, we are from all over uh, the world, just like anybody else here in the U.S. Uh, we have flags uh, from Ethiopia, Eritrea, uh, we have from uh, East India, we have from, uh, 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 from uh, Philippines, we even have a few Caucasians, right? So uh, no one expected, right? So uh, we, and, uh, we, have a, we have a lot of ladies driving with us, just like for be right there, um, driving with us. So we are very diverse. If the port is talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's us. It's us. So uh, today, I want to ask all of you guys to end that uncertainty we had for the last four years and vote for us for five years of certainty for th things the way they are. Uh, a lot of you guys, uh, we appreciate you, all of you. Uh, Hamdi and the other Sagaya and yeah, Joe, all of you guys. Thank you. Thank you. When you guys can, most of you, we voted who we can in our jurisdiction, but also <laughs> lobbied for you. Why? Because we read about your platform and we saw that you stand for justice and we, you stand for equity. Thanks. Your time um, is actually up, so I want to thank you so much. <laughs> we, we appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else in the room or virtual who would like to present comment, please. If you could state your full name and the topic on uh, the board. You have two minutes. My name is Steve Wong, and I'm talking about the taxi cab proposal. Commissioner, this taxi cab proposal can win friends and influence people. Why? Number one, the airport gets good, reliable, and dependable service, plus financial benefit. Number two, passengers get cheap and good rides. Number three, people like me, taxi cab people like me, we get a job. And this taxi cab proposal, everybody wins. Everybody. Commissioner, please give us your approval so we can all win friends and influence people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anyone else in the room who wishes to speak? All right. If you could have you come up to the dais and state your full name and the topic for the record. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Michael Exio. I'm from Green Cap Taxi and Green Four Hire. And uh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, the union, uh, for working hard. And thank you for you guys to give us an opportunity uh, to serve a, a community, like working at the airport. And uh, I have a kind of little bit different uh, opinion uh, that uh, like the taxi industry, uh, generally about taxi industry. So the taxi industry is with the limited number uh, to give a service. There are like so many competitions are there 
like uh, Uber or uh, like Tennessee is they have kind of thousands of drivers but the city of Seattle and the King County they only allow 1500 or 1600 it's kind of uh, fighting like 500 kilogram with five, uh, 50 kilogram like just in demanding the supply one if the people need a taxi there is no enough taxis so what I'm saying that it is good to have the contract for the the for the airport but there are a number of uh, like double plates licenses out there who want to serve at the airport so you guys need to consider like about 30 to 40 or 50 drivers can be uh, uh, be signed with this uh, contract I just want to uh, just put my opinion there all right so it's be uh, like a be uh, be fair like just I I don't mind to get it but to get like more one all right thank you so much thank you for your comments all right anyone else who wishes to speak oh we got one in the back there come on up if you could state your name and the topic that you'll be speaking on. Good afternoon. My name is Abdulwahab Ise, and today I'm talking about the, the taxi at the airport. We would really appreciate it if you guys can uh, keep things the way they are, because you know the, there's so many so many drivers right now in the airport, and and all of us we do rotation and. A lot of drivers are happy with that. So if you guys can process a little bit faster for the, the contract you guys give with us, it would really be appreciated. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Oh, yes, please. If you could state your name for the record and the topic. Hello, my name is Amarjeet Singh. I work as driver in SeaTac Airport. So I shall be very thankful to you because we just be having more contract and uh, to work in the airport. And I am really thankful to Ground Transportation Port of Seattle. And they are very cooperative people and so nice of. So because uh, it's an opportunity for us to be make to be live with, with the family and uh, so nice of you and happy Valentine Day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Any others in the room who would like to speak? All right. Seeing no further comments, uh, I'm going to ask the clerk to please give us a synopsis of any written comments we may have received. Uh, this one's easy then. We have received no written comments today. Great. All right, hearing no further public testimony, we will move now on to the consent agenda. Mr. Commission President. Oh, excuse me, we re rearranged the, uh, the agenda. My script is a little off. We're gonna go ahead and move to consider item 10C on the um, agenda. If we could have staff present the item, and Steve, uh, or actually Steve, go ahead and present the item. Let me go ahead and read it into the record. Yeah, go ahead. 
So this is agenda item 10C, order number 2023-04, an order of the Port of Seattle Commission to establish a program for on-demand taxi flat rate for hire service at Seattle Tacoma International Airport for a period of up to five years. There he goes. Hey, Commissioner. <laughs> That was for you, Steve. Yeah, that thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioners, ground transportation is one of the key services that airport travelers require, and port staff have been working hard over the last, last several years to undertake a pilot program designed with significant input from drivers and operators at SEA. That, uh, that, that effort balances passenger needs with ensuring sustainable living wage jobs for workers. As the current program ends, staff is recommending moving forward with an approach that essentially carries forward with the elements drawn from the three-year pilot program. We believe that uh, is the appropriate path, and our recommendation reflects both extensive outreach to the drivers as well as additional engagement with the voluntary organization first established in the pilot program. I understand commissioners are proposing changes to the program, and staff is here. We're here and we're available uh, to provide any input you'd like to hear about uh, those ideas. And so, but at this time, I'm going to turn over to uh, Commission Chief of Staff Aaron Pritchard. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners and Executive Director Metric. Uh, following a three year uh, pilot project, the Port of Seattle Commission has engaged in robust oversight and stakeholder outreach with the Taxi Flat Rate for Hire program drivers. The following order lays out the elements of the proposed program, including the new items such as education outreach on virtual queue, which and emphasizing curbside manager customer service training, enforcing compliance, and exploration of a driver training and development programs. I won't go through, read the whole text of the order, but I will hit a few highlights uh, that we've uh, discussed and talk about some of the next steps that we expect as well. Uh, so the order directs the executive director to establish the on-demand program for uh, taxi flat right for hire. In particular, uh, the, it, this creates a five-year program. We've moved through the pilot after three years, and now we're setting a five-year program on, in course. Uh, the port will continue to collect the all-inclusive $6 per trip fee with direct payment from the drivers to uh, SEA. And uh, the Port Commission will continue to explore the ex virtual queue options with uh, operators through outreach and education and consultation with the driver community. Uh, the Port will continue to recognize the voluntary driver organization operated, authorized in 2019. And the Port shall explore and develop a driver training and workforce development program for interested drivers. Further, that the, uh, the Port Commission Aviation Committee, or the designees, uh, shall review the ground transportation dispute system at the airport with the drivers and the voluntary organization, report results back to the commission uh, by the end of August 2023. Finally, the, court, the port shall review and emphasize the contractual customer service standards for the curbside manager to assure compliance and provide a report to commission as well within six months of passage of this order. Uh, finally, this morning, uh, the, uh, from the Commission office, we sent a letter to King County urging adoption of a minimum fare for taxi for hire trips for, uh, for SeaTac. Uh, and have asked for a report back from the Executive Director within 90 days just on the status of that proposal. King County has listed uh, minimum fares at SeaTac on their website in the proposal for uh, uh, their notice of proposal of an ordinance and so that's a very positive development and we drafted that letter and sent it off this morning and it's referenced here in the order and so that's our, our big next step as well as some uh, follow-ups in the aviation committee uh, but I'll go ahead and close there and turn it over back over to uh, Commissioner Cho 
Excellent. Thank you, Aaron. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Please indicate if you'd like to speak. All right. I will take comments. Actually, no, I'll take comments after I get a motion in a second. So hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion in a second? So moved. Second. Great. The motion was made and seconded. Uh, any questions? I mean, any comments from commissioners? Commissioner Mohammed. Thank you, President Cho. Um, first of all, I just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who's here. Namaste, salam, salam alaikum, peace be upon all of you. Um, and I uh, also want to thank the port's leadership team, um, specifically the aviation team. Um, our uh, aviation management director, Lance Little. This order took a lot of work to make it happen and we are part-time commissioners so that you all know it really takes staff to move the work that we do and so i just want to hold space for all the staff members who um, worked on this taxi order with us alongside us um, i want to thank our uh, chief of staff aaron pritchard he worked hard alongside me on this taxi order and alongside all the other commissioners um, you know i'm very proud of this taxi order it is no secret that the pandemic has had a huge impact on taxi drivers. This is a workforce that is predominantly immigrant and the work that you all do is really important to our operations. And we also recognize that you, many of you guys are struggling to make ends meet. I heard that directly from so many of you in this room today. And this is why this taxi order is includes no increases to the per trip fee and we're maintaining that six dollar amount we recognize that the pandemic impacts the track taxi drivers and there is a need for economic relief which is why we are proposing a five-year operation agreement we want to give you guys that economic relief i believe all my colleagues want to do that today and we also recognize the issue caused by short trips basically the lack of a minimum fare at SeaTac airport i live in SeaTac, and when i'm traveling through the airport sometimes i take taxi and when i do because i understand this this particular issue i sometimes pay triple the amount because i know how much it hurts you to get in the back of the line when you took me a mile or two down the street and I can't walk it because I have my suitcases. And so I, we recognize that that is a problem. That is an issue Commissioner Fellman has taken on. Um, you guys heard from our uh, Commission Chief of Staff that there's already been a letter sent to King County around this and there's a, a legislation around it. And I do believe that, um, that the uh, dispute issues I would say like maybe 80% of it is embedded in this issue around short trips. And I think if that issue gets resolved, the disputes will decrease as well. And so I'm confident that we'll be able to resolve that, th those issues. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to go on about all of the good things that are in this order, but there's a lot of great things. And I just want to take a moment to talk about the virtual queuing. It's, we're exploring that idea. I'm asking the taxi drivers to be open-minded as we ed educate you guys on it. That doesn't mean you have to buy into it, but it is important that um, staff are heard out and you hear us out and that there's an opportunity for us to collaborate and to engage. 
you know, I am, as a commissioner, as a uh, separately elected official, I'm deeply committed to being a partner for uh, the commission staff around this issue and to be a bridge on that. And I, I trust that all my colleagues feel the same way. We want to be that bridge that helps you guys resolve the issues that you're facing. That is why workforce development is embedded in this order, that we put so many good things in this order because we do deeply care about the issues that, are ma that matter to you all. We understand the, the problems you all are facing and, um, and we can't do that work without everyone being at the table and willing to work together. Uh, so for the taxi community, I ask for your grace. I say trust the process as much as possible so that we can best help address your needs. We have to work as a team, and I say the same thing to our port staff members, right? We all have to come to the table to do this work together, and um, I know that that is an important thing to our, our staff here. This wasn't an easy taxi order. It kept me at, at, up at night at times, taking late meetings on this issue. You know, I was worried about the coming into this meeting, <laughs> and um, I am proud of, of where we are today, and I think we could do better if we continue to be open to new ideas, open to innovation, that we're open to collaboration, that we trust each other, that we trust the process. Um, and so, you know, I just wanna say I, I'm ready for more partnership with you all. Um, to Teamster Local 117, like I, I appreciate all of the information that you've brought to the table and how much you push us as, as commissioners as well. We have to all work together to make this happen and quite frankly, I'm excited to support today's taxi order. I think there is a lot in here that uh, includes our shared vision and so I look forward to moving it forward. Excellent, thank you Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioner Hazagawa. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge all the many minds that went into building this order to being what it was. Um, for the members um, of the union and all the taxi cab drivers who are here with us today, this is the direct result of you engaging the system to change the system for the better. Um, that is what, this is exactly what democracy looks like. We are so deeply grateful to you for the painstaking work that you've done um, leading up to this moment um, to help educate us and equip us with the tools that we need to get to an optimal outcome. I'd like to acknowledge the staff for their painstaking work over the course of many, many, many months, both commission staff, the aviation staff, ground transportation. It's been a labor of love. And you have, I would just like everybody to keep in mind that every the Port of Seattle staff has the best interest of our community members in mind. And as we do that hard work of coming to an optimal outcome, Thank you for always assuming best intentions in this collaborative process. And I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge and thank Commissioner Mohammed, who has fearlessly championed this, which is arguably the most difficult and contentious issue historically for the Port of Seattle Commission. But when other commissioners historically have run from it, she ran towards it. She ran towards it and says, this is important. How do we make this the best outcome possible for the Port of Seattle and the communities that we all love and we all serve and for you all as members of our community? So thank you all so much. I look intently forward to voting and supporting this order. Thank, thank you, Commissioner Hazagawa. Any other comments? Commissioner Feldman. <clears throat> thank you, President Cho, and thank you for all my colleagues. But most importantly, thank you for all of your participation 
and local 117. Um, like following up on the point that uh, democracy is not a spectator sport. You guys obviously know how to engage. We really appreciate that. Um, but you know, having been around a couple couple of years to watching this isn't my first uh, rodeo. And uh, I don't think we've punted it down the road. I think we continue to make progress. And I really do greatly appreciate you hanging in there and seeing the work of our mutual labor. And I do, obviously, the this doesn't get done without the staff's work behind the scenes, front line with you guys. So I, I really do appreciate holding it together, all together. And I think we still have great things to do together. I just want last thing is we wrote this letter to the county not to punt our responsibilities, but to play full-heartedly in that rulemaking process. I think there's a lot of things in there that will have direct bearing, and it's because of 117 and others that made it clear to us that finally the county is going to take on these responsibilities. Not only will the short fare issue, I think, reduce the conflicts on the, on the ground, but also if we have uh, metered cabs all around. From what I heard, that that's okay for the drivers and it reduces some other confusion for the, for the passengers. I think we have a glide path for the future that looks promising, but obviously we're going to need your input along the whole way. So thank you so much. Thank you, Commissioner Collins. Commissioner Calkins. Yeah, I, I concur with everything that has been said, and I remember, to Commissioner Fellman's point, sitting in a meeting with Commissioner Fellman a number of years ago as we were negotiating the previous contract, and hearing a briefing from an outside consultant that had been paid to look at things and had essentially proposed something that uh, was um, especially conscientious of the port's bottom line, but not particularly thoughtful about equity and the concerns of everyday working folk who uh, drive taxis for a living. And our airport director, Lance Little at the time, um, I, I, I rarely see the man exercised but he was exercised not not he I'm sure he exercises all the time uh, worked up I rarely see him worked up but he was very worked up in his response and uh, brought the meeting back to our focus which is on how do we do right by the folks who make our airport uh, the best in the in North America and um, and that in, has continued to inform my work um, as we have addressed this. We had, a, we had a period of time there where we had a signed contract and there were things to work out in the process. But uh, I do think this next evolution continues to um, reflect that things are changing in this marketplace. The last time you all were here and we spoke about this, we, I, I talked about the desire to see a, a collective marketing effort by you all on your own behalf. How do you reinvest in... Uh, now that the market has stabilized and there's an opportunity to claw back some of that market share, what are you all doing to promote the great service that you provide? And as has been mentioned in public comment today, often at better prices. Uh, I think there's opportunity now. We resolve this. You guys can put your all of this great attention to that kind of work. I would also uh, reflect on something that I know was a kind of burr in the saddle of some of these negotiations. It was that question of the dispute resolution body. And I appreciate that that was a, a grave concern and something that uh, we will continue to monitor closely as a commission. I would suggest that maybe even more important than a DRB would be a RDB, which would be a research and design body for this group. In other words, 
a group that says, how do we continue to innovate our service every day so that we don't get caught on our heels again in a marketplace and, and lose that market share again? What can we do, the port and the driver association, to make sure that our taxis are world leaders in quality of customer service, in timeliness, in price, in availability, in benefits to the driver community? We aren't going to be able to do that if we don't sit down and constantly think about the, the next innovations that are coming. It, this market isn't going to sit still now that we've got this contract in place. It's going to keep evolving. And so my question for all of you is, how do we collectively create the kind of innovations that will keep you ahead of the game? So, and, and I would strongly support that from the port side of things as well. All right, I think uh, Commissioner Feldman had uh, a, a add-on. I, I just meant to add that the, the difference between negotiating this than the previous ones I've been involved with is having Commissioner Muhammad in part of this discussion. And the engagement with the community that has uh, resulted in that has been fantastic. And to be able to share that information with us, we make better informed decisions. And so I just want to express my appreciation. Um, I'm, I, before we go on to the vote, I also just want to continue <laughs> the piling on. But uh, I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, having worked with Commissioner Mohammed, we wouldn't be here today on this policy if it wasn't for her. And let me just say, this is such a perfect example of why representation matters. The fact that the community is here, but also there was trust between Commissioner Mohammed and the community, that we can have very candid conversations, tough conversations. This was a labor of love. Uh, tough conversations with our staff. You know, Mo Commissioner Mohammed and I serving on the aviation committee together last year. We've had tough conversations with a lot of people within the Port of Seattle. But I think that, uh, to your point, we as bridge builders, uh, you know, between the community and our staff, it, that's the secret sauce here. Uh, and so I'm not only extremely excited to be supporting this uh, motion today and policy, but I'm really excited to see what we can do going forward on all, on all our other policies that pertain to TNCs, taxis, and anything else that we do at the port. So thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Um, in, in line with that, I do want to give a shout out to all our staff who worked on this. I mean, this, guys, is a very complicated issue. I look forward to whoever writes the first PhD thesis on this because it's, it's not easy. And so to, to everyone, I see Peter Lindsay's on, online, you know, uh, everyone on our ground transportation staff, you've all moved mountains and really worked with us as commissioners, but also community to make this work. I, I, and make sure that we don't want to uh, dismiss that. And then lastly, you all here uh, in the audience. Um, I don't think, at least in my four years here at the port, we've had so much engagement on any issue as much as we've seen the drivers. Uh, and I think it's not lost upon us that you are all here today when you could be out there, right? And so I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Uh, I also want to just, you know, acknowledge that it's not every day that, you know, people come here to thank us. And um, you, you saw us put our take our phones out and take a video and picture. We don't. We we sit up here, do a lot of policy, and you see a lot of really weird people come and and make a lot of weird comments. But we rarely ever see community come here with signs that say thank you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for doing that. That means a lot to us, and it validates what we're doing. Thank you. So without.
with that and seeing no uh, further comments, the motion has already been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Thank you. Let's see if I can get it right this time, beginning with Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. I'm sorry. Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Yay. <laughs> Five ayes and zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you, everybody. Congratulations. Great work. All right. We will move on to item eight on the, cons uh, on the agenda, which is the consent agenda. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after the adoption of remaining consent agenda items. Thank you everyone for coming. <laughs> we'll give it just a second here. <laughs> there are hundreds of people waiting for taxis in the city of Seattle right, right now, so we're That's doing right. everybody a favor getting uh, them out there. <laughs> all right. So at this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda items covering 8A, 8B, 8C, 8D, 8F, 8G, 8H, and 8... Actually, that's it. 8I uh, was removed. Yeah, so I've asked 8I to be removed. Yes. And I'm not sure I heard 8E. Oh, I may have skipped that. 8E okay. as well. All right. Could it just be me? Do I have a so motion? Moved. All right. And do I have a second? Second. Great. The motion has been moved and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. We can do a recess. It's being recommended. All right. We can do a short recess. We'll give it uh, five minutes. We'll come back. It is 147, and we'll come back at 152. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to call the meeting back into order. It is 151 p.m. The motion for the consent agenda has been moved and seconded. Uh, Clerk Hart, go ahead and call the roll for the vote. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for adoption of the consent agenda. Great. The motion passes. Thank you very much. We're actually going to then go on to item 8I, which was originally on the consent agenda. Uh, Clerk Hart, if you can introduce the item, and then I'll give it to Steve, uh, Executive Director Steve, to introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 8I, authorization for the executive director to amend a project-specific design contract to increase the contract value by $5,200,000 and to execute a change order to the general contractor construction manager pre-construction services contract in the amount of $1,800,000 in support of the post-IAF airline realignment project at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Commissioners. 
the opening of our new international rivals facility created a need for us to review the relocation of airlines at SCA to balance airport facilities with the new facility. Since the initial authorization for design services in March 2021, the project team has discovered during pre-construction activities that additional work packages are needed to correct code deficiencies and replace HVAC in air handling units. This authorization increases design funds and enables change orders to facilitate those two, facilitate those two packages. The team will come back at 30% design later this year to the commission. So we have a number of people here today. We have uh, Stuart Matthews, Assistant Director of Aviation Project Management. We have uh, Janice Zahn, Director of Engineering Services. And uh, we have one of our uh, contractor, um, uh, contractor specialists, Letty Powell, here as well. So I think we have the whole team here, right? So Stuart, I'm going to hand it over to you. Or is that correct? I guess. OK. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ex Executive Director Metric, Commissioners. Um, with me today are, are um, many members of the team that are going to pr be providing this project. I've got Janice Son, our uh, Director of Engineering, as well as Letty Powell, who is the project manager for this particular project. And um, remotely, we've got Sean Anderson, the program leader for our terminal program, who uh, uh, would normally be here in my seat, but is feeling ill today, so I'm pinch hitting on his behalf. Um, and in, in addition, I believe we've got Jeff Moken, who is our Senior Manager of Airline Affairs and Aviation Properties, who's the sponsor for this project as well. So before you start real quick, um, I just wanted to uh, just mention that I, I think we can do an abbreviated version of the presentation, because I think Commissioner Calkin just had a few things to say, and then we can just kind of vote on it. So just I, I would save us all some time. Thank yeah. you. Yep. My intent was just to say we're, uh, we provided the information that you have today and are open to answer any questions that you have that we'll do what we can to the best of our ability. So um, the memo was detailed and thoughtful and uh, really pretty clear, and yet the topic itself is, is quite complicated. And so there are a few things I just wanted some staff answers to. I, I broached those questions with Steve. He came back with excellent answers, and I felt like it was appropriate to daylight those with everyone on the commission before we voted on them. So a couple of the things, um, I just wanted uh, a bit of a reminder on you know, what is our schedule now? How does that compare to the um, original, original schedule completion? Um, it, if I'm reciting this correctly, um, or if I'm, if I'm mess messing this up, please let me know. But my understanding is that originally we had a budget of 102 million. Uh, we, with a planned completion of, of Q3 2024, um, we are now looking at planned completion for Concourse B on Q1 2025, planned completion for Concourse A in Q1 of 2026. Is that all accurate? That is correct. And we're now using a range of budget uh, sort of centering around 122 million. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And that the scope, the, the changes in schedule and budget are related to scope changes that emerged when we learned of regulatory stuff that we needed to address that we did not anticipate in pre-design? Correct. Okay. Um, will we be introducing any additional scope changes or is that window closed at this point? So the intent of the project team uh, here as well as our sponsor is the scope uh, that we have today is the scope that will be delivered. No discretionary additions are anticipated or um, are being even entertained at this time. We've been very clear with our stakeholders and our sponsors that this project needs to be retained within in what we have there. 
we are still early in that design phase, as we note, and we'll be back uh, following that 30% design to say, as the existing scope that we have is developed, there may be, you know, obviously pricing and market changes that will drive those costs, but no added scope is intended. And is there any opportunity to claw back some of that schedule? That is our full intent. We are working with that, and I'm going to let uh, Letty speak to that a little bit, but we're working with our uh, GCCM contractor um, to see uh, choosing an end date of ideally end of 2024, clawing that back. What would that look like in terms of the design deliverables, and is that attainable? We're in the midst of that right now, and I'll let Letty speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Our target date is before the holidays, uh, 2024. We know that is very important um, for our airline partners. Um, we've done some significant pull planning efforts in the last few months to identify early work packages, um, long lead procurement items that we can do to bring forward that schedule and get started on the things that we can. Um, I'm, the design team is progressing towards 30%. Um, we've identified the early work package to progress to 60%, and we're working on that now. When we come back in quarter two, we will have worked with our GCCM partner and the designer to have a real solid cost um, and schedule evaluation. Um, and we'll also be able to mitigate a lot of the risks right now that we're working through with um, verifying unknown existing conditions and implementing these code deficiencies into the design. And, and that really uh, is a good segue to my last question, which was about, um, it's, it's not usual for us to vote on something and then a month or two or three months later then vote again on that same project. And so I was wondering why we're voting now and then again, the memo uh, mentioned that we'd be voting again in the second quarter on something. And so the, the answer to that is that very quite that if we don't vote on something now, then it's going to slow down design, which is a mm. key, it's a critical path item for getting this completed. So we're taking two votes because the next vote is predicated on some information we don't yet have. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Can well, I appreciate the thanks for coming in on, on a consent item. I really appreciate your answers, and I'll turn it back over to Commissioner Cho. Great. Janice, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I just want to add one thing, and I would say that as we do more GCCMs on these projects and bring the, the contractor in at the same time as the designer, we're learning about how much pre-construction costs we should be planning for and how much design costs we should be planning for because this is a bit of the go slow to go fast that mm -hmm. as we get more partners together we are actually learning that it we are spending more dollars now because we are flushing out the kind of issues that we may not in our uh, normal design bid build discover for many months and it gives us more opportunity to work through and better manage our risks but I will say that this one uh, was advertised early enough in that process that there's been more lessons learned along the way and so as we get better at uh, forecasting that there will probably I anticipate there'll be less of those oops we now need to come back for more money just for a couple months so I just wanted to share that thanks Janice any other questions or comments on topic uh, 8i yeah Steve, go ahead. I, I would like to put a, uh, I don't know if I like this term, but put a pin in uh, something that Letty said, which is the conditions, right? Which is, I just want to go back, because we just said is that, um, you know, we're going to come back at 30% design, but and then we used to call it open and inspect to see as built and then compare to that. So there is, when you talk, Commissioner, that's a very good question about scope, discretionary scope versus mandatory scope versus what you open up. So I just want to put that out there as a project 
we kind of went over that and it was said very quickly but that is something that we'll, we'll know more and they'll come back at 30 percent correct i just wanted to point that out so i didn't want you to come back and say well you said but this there is some some uncertainty there which will eliminate as we move towards a 30 percent design great any other yeah go ahead and i would just add to that steve um in the effort of transparency on that obviously the the next ask when we do come back will be a significant one for potentially our construction funding as well so we'd be happy to do that either through a, a multiple step briefing briefing opportunity to have you have a better look at it in advance of the time necessary to actually make a decision upon that excellent did you want to add something no okay you're you're ready to motion huh all right so i will now entertain a motion in a second for item item 8i There so moved. Go. So moved. Second. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. So the motion has been moved and seconded. Clerk Hart, go ahead and read the roll call. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hosagawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Great. The motion passes. Thank you very much for being here for that. Moving on in the agenda, we have one new business item today left. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you. Just to note that agenda item 10A was number not used, so we're moving to 10B. This is authorization for the Executive Director to advertise, award, and execute a construction contract and authorize an additional $6,083,000 for the South 160th Street TNC lot improvement project at Seattle Tacoma International Airport for a total estimated project cost of $7,300,000. Commissioner's Port owned, the Port owned South 160th Street ground transportation holding lot is used by taxis and transportation network companies, TNCs, such as Uber and Lyft for vehicle staging. This authorization installs permanent lighting systems, 10 new electric vehicle chargers for the TNC fleet, and four permanent restroom facilities to support their operations. We're also pleased that this work is supported by a grant from the Washington State Department of Commerce. So the presenters on this are uh, Peter Lindsay, who's uh, here virtually, and Ray Moreno, uh, Capital well, Peter is the senior manager of Landside Operations, and then uh, Ray is the capital project manager. So I'll turn it over to Peter. Hi, and thank you, Executive Director Metric. Um, thank you, President Cho, uh, commissioners. And uh, as Steve just mentioned, we have a number of improvements we're proposing today uh, for the South 160th lot, which services our transportation network companies, namely Uber and Lyft. Uh, these Im improvements help us modernize the lot and make the operation more sustainable uh, to address the, uh, the use and operation of the lot going forward. Uh, with me today is Ray Moreno. He is our project manager. who will, re will review the details of the project and, and uh, as we prepare for, um, for construction. And then we will be happy to answer any questions during the presentation or following the presentation. With that, I'll leave it to Ray uh, to take us through some of the project details. Good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Metric. Um, I am the project manager on the South 160th TNC lot improvement project. And uh, next slide, please. I'm presenting the project. So the project purpose, as shown here on the slide, is we're working to try to uh, reduce the operational maintenance cost of the facility 
and encourage sustainable ground transportation service by installing permanent lighting and installing EV chargers. Um, we're going to do that by the scope. We're going to replace the existing diesel-powered uh, light plants that they use out there in the evening with uh, new lighting, and those light, lighting, the luminaires will have LED lighting as, as part of that uh, um, illumination. We will be installing 10, VE, 10 EV charging stations um, and all the infrastructure that's needed associated with that. That includes like two new, transform uh, new transformers and a switch gear to be able to um, provide the capacity for the chargers. And we will also be installing four permanent restrooms for the, at the lot to replace the existing port um, the porta potties that are out there. We will also be installing two security cameras for operational awareness for the lot. And we will also be upgrading the landscaping and irrigation in there uh, at the lot to meet port, current port standards. Next slide, please. This lot, this uh, slide shows the location of the parking, uh, the, the parking lot. It is at the north end of the airport, just across from the rental car facility. The improvements, all the prime um, majority of the improvements are going to occur to the right half of the parking lot, and primarily on the upper part of that uh, lot because that lot has sort of a two-tiered uh, condition there. And all the majority of the work is going to happen up there on the top lot, part of the lot. But we will be trenching um, the electrical services from the uh, substation that's to the uh, right of the existing uh, taxi, taxi, um, taxi building that the taxi drivers use. And we're trenching across that lot to, to service the new electrical requirements for the parking um, Parking stalls, EV charging parking stalls. Next slide, please. This shows the replace the existing diesel powered lights that are out there and the new luminaires will replace that. This shows the condition of that lower tiered parking area with no permanent low improvements happening there other than, uh, like I said, uh, landscaping upgrades there. And this shows the existing um, porta potties, and, and actually, where the porta potties are, that's where we can expect to see the new parking stalls for the EV chargers. Next slide, please. So this slide shows the current budget. As uh, was described, this project is um, uh, receiving a grant from the Department of Commerce, and this shows the breakdown of the grant. The port will be receiving. Uh, approximately $757,000 of that grant. And then EVGO will be the tenant that will be leasing the um, charging units at the lot. will get a reimbursement for that, those uh, chargers that they're providing. And it's a breakdown of the, of the um, budget, transformers, electrical equipment, and chargers. And the key milestones we are Going to hopefully be advertising this quarter, 2023, beginning construction in Q2 of 2023, and with an in use date of Q1 2024. That's all I have to present. Anyone have any questions?
Thank you very much. Uh, we'll go ahead and ask a question. Are there any questions from commissioners of staff? Yeah, Commissioner Feldman. Uh, <clears throat> thanks very much for the presentation, and um, it's great to have this project moving forward. I remember working on bathrooms for, <laughs> for cabs early in my career, so I've, we've become a bit of a bathroom expert commission. Um, <laughs> no potty humor here. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the one thing I did notice about this uh, proposal, or the presentation, is that you know, there are really three different things we're authorizing here, right? There's lighting, there's the charging, and then there are the bathrooms. And, uh, but we see a budget that just really reflects the con conglomeration of the three. I, I don't see how those are broken out. We do see for the grant for the electrical, um, how the electrical part has that pie chart which sort of separates. But uh, I'm just wondering, do we, do we have, like how much of this is broken out between those three components? Right. Well, so uh, we don't have that detail today, Commissioner, but it is readily available. We, we um, put together our bids and our costing um, by a scope element, and those scope elements which you identified um, would have a, a cost associated with each one of them. So we can provide that information uh, fairly readily, I, I'm certain of it. And I would, I would hate to just blurt out numbers, but I kind of remember know the budgets, but again, I could get you that detail in the format you would like. Well, I'm, I'm just sort of like reflecting on, like, let's just say this was a delegated authority question, and we just wanted to read the memo and not, not take it to a vote at all. I would just think that level of breakdown would be, just be helpful to understand what it is that we're authorizing. But I also had a bathroom question. In terms of like the number of drivers and the, the and the facility that's it's to serve. I was just wondering, like compared to you know, there's far fewer cabs, and I didn't know are the, are these facilities able to be shared? I mean, this is specifically for TNCs, but are cabs able to use these facilities, and are TNCs able to use cab facilities? I think, I think not. But I was just wondering right. how that divides right. up. Yeah. So uh, for our operation in this lot. We do have a taxi building, you might be aware. We, a taxi uh, staging lot with a service building uh, with restrooms for taxi drivers. And the taxi operators tend to use that building and stay on that side of the lot. Uh, for this operation, we've had portable restrooms for many years. And uh, as an effort to make it more sustainable and to have some permanence and a higher level of service, frankly, is to have a fully plumbed and ready uh, permanent restroom. And uh, we've identified four for this lot. And uh, the meaning of your question, we did evaluate what the kind of engineering requirements, and we will recall uh, the engineering requirement for a lot of this size and its capacity might recommend two restrooms. But staff looked at that and said it's not sufficient based on the activity, the turnover in the lot, that two additional. And so we made the decision to uh, re request authorization for two additional restrooms to a total of four uh, for this facility. So that, that's uh, the nature of the progress on, on restrooms. Um, and it is something that we anticipate TNC drivers to use, uh, not the taxi drivers, but there's no rigid enforcement um, in the event that a taxi driver wanted to use the restroom, it, it would be available. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. 
I just wanted to um, add to what Commissioner Fellman just asked around um, the use of those restrooms, like the TNC side and the taxi side. This was actually something I just recently brought up with some of the drivers. And my understanding is, is the, the sort of divide on both sides is really about a capacity issue. Because um, I've, I've made the recommendation to the TNC drivers, why don't you guys use the, the restrooms where the taxi drivers use? And they, they ultimately said, you know, at times we do. Um, but for, for the most part, it is a, a capacity issue, which I think is why it's important that we build on the side and think about not only the lighting and the charging stations, but the um, shelters in, the, in those areas as well. So I just wanted to add that point. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, any other questions or comments? Nope. Okay, great. Uh, hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. Great. Uh, the motion was made and seconded. Call card, please go ahead and call the roll for a vote. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Pelleman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasakawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes and zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. All right, moving on right along in our agenda. Um, I think that concludes new business. We are now moving on to item 11, presentations and staff reports. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record, and Executive Director Metric will introduce it. Thank you. This is agenda item 11A, 2022 annual report for the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Commissioners, almost four years ago, the port created the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. OEDI. This was significant because, because I understand that this made us the first port authority in the country to create such an office as an integrator across the port. And it demonstrated that we're willing to commit time and resources to embed equity, diversity, and inclusion in, in our organization and in our work. Shortly thereafter, you updated our century agenda to add a goal for the port to become a model for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Since that time, OEDI's impact has been critical in our efforts to advance equity internally and in our external work as well. A few highlights I'd like to share. We became the first government entity to establish Juneteenth as a paid holiday, and I like this, the staff added, and soon after, Governor Inslee followed, our <laughs> <laughs> followed suit with our recommendation. <laughs> so, but, but we were. We were, and that was important to us, and actually it was the working with uh, uh, the, uh, the port chapter of blacks in government that led to that. If you remember back to that, that was a very a great time and a great accomplishment. Um, we established the senior director of Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion as a member of our executive leadership team. Uh, matter of fact, we did that as before, before Bukta came on, and uh, that's been an important in our ability to advance this work. And a matter of fact, I understand, it's written here too, that it's, it's something that other jurisdictions are doing as well. So perhaps it was lower in the organization, but we had these discussions when Bukta was coming on about what's the vision for how we're going to do this, and you need to be at the table, and you need to be part of those, and it needs to be integrated in all that we do. Uh, to do that. And finally, we center anti-racism and equity as one of our, ours, our core values to guide our, our work and culture. And of course, everybody knows our raise uh, values, right? Well, repeat after me. Everybody's ready? No. But it's, uh, it's uh, uh, respect, anti-racism, and equity, sustainability, and excellence in all that we do. Those are our core values, and they are easily easy to remember. Um, Last, later this year, you'll consider the equity policy directive, which has been much work to go on in that, and that 
uh, codifies much of this work and puts this work uh, into, uh, we've heard that both from commissioners and from others uh, about how do you make sure it's institutionalized into the organization the way that we do business. Uh, with that, commissioners, I'll hand it over to our outstanding leader of the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, Bukta Gesar, and uh, Senior Director for the office, and, and, and then the rest of the team, I guess you'll introduce them as we go, Bukta, to do that, and talk up, share about their work in 2022 and what we can expect from them in 20, 2023. So, Bukta. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, and good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, for the record, uh, my name is Bukta Gesar. I'm the Senior Director of Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, and I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm here with members of our office and members of the change team and partners in the organization to uh, offer to you our annual report, some of our biggest accomplishments from 2022, and also some of the plans ahead for 2023. Uh, uh, up here sitting with me are Tanya Park, who's the systems change manager, and Jay Doran, who's the engagement and communications manager. The three of us are going to speak for a few minutes, then we're going to stand up. It looks like we're finished, but we're not. Uh, three members of uh, change team are going to join up here. Sarah Gier, who's the Director of Maritime Environment and Sustainability. Katie Gerard, who's the Senior Director of Human Resources. And Jermaine Mori, who's the Director of Port Construction Services. And they will offer a, a couple of minutes each about how they're operationalizing equity into their work when they're finished. We'll have a few minutes to, to hear your feedback and, and um, answer your questions. Uh, but before we start, I want to also acknowledge Black History Month and the proclamation today. Happy Black History Month. Thank you for all the work that you do to uplift uh, black history. Um, black History Month is a powerful reminder that black history is American history. Um, and throughout our country's history, black Americans have led the struggle for equity, social justice, and democracy. I want to thank all of the leaders of blacks in government for all of the work that they do. All of the leaders, Delmas Whitaker, Kenny Lyles, Don Hunter, and today Patricia Lyle, for the effort that they put into continuing to educate and raise awareness for all of us. And Commissioner Mohammed, thank you for all of your work. And thank you for the challenge that you offered today, that we must speak with our actions. I'm really proud to say that in the equity motion that Commissioner Cho led, and also in the policy directive that you'll hear soon, there's a very significant element uh, that renews our commitment to identifying um, anti-racism towards black communities and to really uprooting um, that work and confronting uh, uh, racism towards the black community in every step of our work. Um, so, Moving on to our presentation, as I mentioned, we'll speak for about 30 minutes and have about 15 minutes for um, your, to hear from you. Um, so next slide, please. Um, I will be offering you some background to our work and then Tanya and Jay will cover some of the highlights and you'll hear from members of the port team and then Tanya will cover some of what's ahead for us and then we'll you know, have a discussion together. So next slide, please. 
So there's a lot of words on this slide. Worry not, I'm gonna cover most of it in you know, the highlights of it. Um, our goal through our office um, is to transform the Port of Seattle into an organization that embeds equity and justice in all of its operations and to create an organization where all people have opportunities and, and success. We do this by starting from the, the green component of this key. We normalize racial equity. You know that we do a lot of educate, education for our employees throughout the organization in multiple forms to bring all of us on the same page about what we mean by equity and how equity is different than diversity and you know the, the, the path ahead. So a lot of energy goes into this work. We organize our employees through the change team, which you're going to hear more about today, and, um, and all of that to foster a culture of belonging and inclusion within the organization so that as we, and, and Katie Gerard will speak today about our hiring process as um, BIPOC employees enter the organization, they feel welcome, they have opportunities to succeed, and they feel a sense of belonging in the organization. And then um, I, a lot has been said today about how we center the voices of the communities most impacted. I thought that the taxi order was a beautiful example of how we can hear from the community and, and decide together on what is best for communities. Um, we operationalize equity in policies and programs every step of the way, and some examples of this is that we're now one of the leading governments in the country in doing equity with a budgeting lens and uh, really looking at how equity can infuse every decision, every, pr every process in the organization. We also collaborate with other jurisdictions. Um, Commissioner Calkins, I know you've asked a lot about how we look at best practices. How do we know that we're, you know, where we need to check, adjust, and, and do something differently? And we're really in communication with other ports. We host a quarterly call of ports who are interested in equity efforts and are engaged in equity efforts. We are a member of Government, Government Alliance for Race and Equity. We are working with Airport Council International who is hosting an EDI task force. So we are really at the table to look at and reflect with partners around the country about how equity can, can continue to advance and, and where we need to you know, adjust our work. Um, and the outcome of all this is in the center of the key, which is that race is no longer a predictor of outcomes for our employees and our community and that people have the opportunity to succeed. Next slide, please. So this is the roadmap of the last four years for the organization. Um, I, uh, as uh, Executive Director Metric, explained some work went into organizing the motion that resulted in hiring me as the senior director. I think that one of the most impactful um, actions of the, uh, the first year wa were that I was a member of the executive leadership team and I had access to all of the commissioners and, and the executive director and was at the table as decisions were being made. 
Um, so the office was formed in June of 2019. Commissioner Cho led the equity motion that uh, at the same time as the murder of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter uprisings and or organizing and protest around the country and the demand for racial equity really all happened at the same time, which I think really accelerated our work where a lot of people say that we have achieved in three and a half years what most equity offices achieve in six or seven. And I really think that the events uh, in our culture, in our community of the first year had a tremendous impact on that. The equity motion um, allowed us to, to form the change team with a representative from every team across the organization. We then required racial equity training for all employees and we continue to offer this to every single employee in the organization and currently have a mandate that um, every supervisor needs to attend six hours of training. We'll come back to this point in a moment. We conducted three massive assessments in 2021. We did an equity assessment of the entire organization. We conducted an assessment particularly focused on women of color's experiences and then our policing assessment, which was a lot of work to conduct all of this. And now Tanya will speak to how we are tracking the recommendations that came out of this, so, uh, out of the uh, assessment so that they're never forgotten and they continue to provide a roadmap for the work ahead. Um, and we then started um, at the beginning of last year to require that every team set equity goals along with the business planning process. And, and the budgeting with equity. So the, really the work has been huge for the last um, few years. And I just want to point to the future state for a moment that the outcome that we expect to see here um, is, now I have to put my glasses on to see what is the outcome for a moment. The, the port is a respected as an authentic and anti-racist leader among communities and institutions is really the vision that we have for the work ahead. Next slide, please. I know all of you have seen this multiple times and I just want to speak for a moment about the four assessments on the left, two of which were conducted by our office and two by Human Resources. In all of these, we saw the five themes that you see in the center and you'll hear about uh, a few of these today. And then the systemic accountability for supervisors was a theme that is really Im important and prominent across all five. As we've heard multiple times that our community wants uh, the executive leadership team to lead by example, our commissioners to lead by example, and for all of the supervisors to be held accountable for really practicing equity in their day-to-day -day work. So you'll hear a lot from Tanya, Jay, and, and the other uh, members of the team today with us about how we're doing that. And just a little bit about the, what is on the right, that the culture of anti-racism that we are wanting to see and want to be surrounded by, and I think of this as the air that we want to breathe every day in our community, is that it really breathes trust, respect, communication, recognition, fairness, inclusion, and belonging. So I'm going to pause there and hand it over to Tanya. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, uh, good afternoon, Executive Director Metric. 
So as Senior Director, um, my name is Tanya Park, she, her pronouns, and I'm the Systems Change Program Manager with our Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. As Senior Director Gazar framed for us, the 2020 equity motion mandated the equity assessment. The same equity motion also mandated the formation of our change team. And much of what we will share today with you would not have been possible without the commitment and efforts of our cross-functional change team. You might have to come quite that tomorrow. Oh, okay. Oh, here. That's for Jay. Okay. Should I start over again? I can keep going. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to make a huge shout out to the change team members who have done such tremendous work over this past year. Commissioners, I'm excited to be here with you all today to share about the progress of our efforts collectively, the investments that we've made over this past year. It's been really rewarding actually for me to pull this presentation together and see how we've been making good on our commitments towards the equity assessment, as well as our broader commitments towards organizational transformation. And with that, next slide please. I'd like to start by highlighting the first of six different areas in which we've invested and are trying to embed equity into our day-to-day -day operations. Next slide please. I just want to acknowledge our Budgeting Equity Change Team Committee, who started over two years ago. They've done some trailblazing work uh, for us here at the port. They developed best practice guidance to help us understand how we can embed equity into something that's kind of mundane, our budgeting process, right? something that we don't often think much about. But at this point, what we have are requirements for all budget preparers at the Port of Seattle to answer four to five questions as part of their budget re annual budget review. And what that does is allows us to think through intentionally our investments, our approach, and the impacts of our resources that we're spending here at the Port. Right? And to underscore this, the other thing that the Budget uh, and Equity Committee has stated is that our our budget is as much a moral document as it is a financial one. And I think that's really significant to, to underscore and to pause and digest here. Because I think we all understand our responsibilities as stewards of uh, public funds, public resources, right? But to also recognize that there's a moral responsibility that comes with that, I think is just really significant. So I just wanna uh, also recognize the work of the budgeting and equity change team for building that foundation for us to build on. Next slide, please. So 2022 was certainly not the first year in which we've been trying to be deliberate of our hiring and recruitment practices. 2022 was, however, the first year in which we made these expectations clear and made it a requirement across the organization. So what we've tried to do in this past year is encourage hiring managers to also step up and take ownership of the six different components that you see here on the slide, right? That for us to recognize that we all have a role in minimizing barriers to entry for work at the port, asking questions of our candidates that reflect our values, having panel perspectives to weigh in um, on important decisions such as hiring, right? And also looking at patterns of our candidate demographics to inform intentional outreach of our work. Uh, Senior Director Katie Gerard um, of our Human Resources Department will speak with you a little bit to talk a little bit more about the impacts of how this has uh, shaped us and how we're continuing to build on this moving forward. Next slide, please. Our represented workers make up nearly half of the port's workforce. So engaging and creating space for the engagement of this, uh, of this population is huge. It's a huge opportunity for us to influence the culture of this organization. 
we have a change team committee who has worked tirelessly to develop four principles around engaging represented workers. And we are looking forward to uh, speaking to um, Port Construction Director, Port Construction Services Director Jermaine Murray to talk about like, what that looks like on the ground. But the four principles that they've laid out for us is really starting at normalizing equity. How are we making this a part of our day-to-day -day conversations? Right? And centering that in our regular work. How are we modeling the expectations, the tone, the culture of inclusion and belonging that we want to see across our teams? Right? And lastly, removing barriers, whether they be financial, technical, or logistical. What are the considerations that we're making? How can we be creative in making sure that we can engage this large population of the ports, uh, ports community? So some of these things include, uh, have we thought about budgeting time and resources to make sure that uh, we can offset the cost for training for our represented workers? Can we think creatively about scheduling opportunities or rotating opportunities among our colleagues? Do we have logistical work codes and orders for our employees to be able to build their time towards, right, when they are away from their workbenches? So while these might seem like low-hanging fruit or kind of tangible um, components of the work, I don't want to underestimate the financial cost and investment this will require, right? I'd like us to also think about this as an investment in our people. And again, I'm really uh, excited to have uh, Director Murray come and speak with us about how he's modeling that in his work with Port Construction Services. And I'm gonna turn it over to Jay Jordan, who's gonna speak a bit more about the in intensive training efforts that uh, we've conducted over this past year to cultivate our workforce. Thanks. Next slide, please. Commissioners, I know you've heard from a lot of people today. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. Again, my name's Jay Doran, he, him, and his. I'm the Engagement and Communications Manager with Office of Equity. Uh, training and development is a central part of our work to advance equity at the port. Um, and thinking back to the theory of change that Bukta talked about earlier, it's, it's one way that we normalize equity, that we, uh, that we foster a culture of belonging and inclusion, and that we operationalize equity into our work. And training is not an end goal in and of itself, it is a tool to reach a larger goal to create a more equitable organization. Um, as a reminder, the racial bias and equity motion that this body passed and Commissioner Cho led um, back in October of 2020 mandated that all employees take, in, take annual uh, equity training um, as, as, as a requirement moving forward. So in, in January of 2021, we began on this endeavor to, uh, to meet that mandate. Um, and we've structured this in, in, uh, with two different training tracks. So we developed a track specifically for supervisors. And this training focuses on developing the skills and abilities of supervisors to lead and support multicultural, multiracial teams. Uh, the second track is for frontline employees and individual contributors. And this really focuses on helping people develop an understanding of equity, shared terminology, and being able to, to use critical thought to identify ways in which inequities occur, um, and ideally, how to, how to create solutions to move forward. <clears throat> in 2022, we delivered an incredible amount of training, uh, 37 total trainings. Um, also in that year, we began offering the frontline, uh, the employees for the, the training for frontline employees, uh, in-house. So of those 37 trainings, 32 of them were facilitated by the OEDI team and members of the change team. We trained over 600 employees through those trainings. And we trained virtually, we trained in person, we trained early mornings, we trained late evenings. We worked specifically with 
departments that have a lot of represented and shift workers to find times and locations that work for them. And we ended up training over 250 represented and shift workers as part of that group of, of 600 employees. The remaining five trainings were, were conducted by uh, a consultant, Equity Matters, um, and those were trainings for supervisors, um, and, and they were able to work with us to train 237 supervisors in the organization. So what you see on the screen are a sampling of quotes. One of the main ways that we measure the effectiveness of, of this work is through feedback and evaluations from participants. And so the quotes you see on the right of, of this slide are from supervisors that went through the, the supervisor training. Um, the quotes you see on the left are from frontline employees, individual contributors. Um, I think that these quotes are fairly representative of the feedback we've received. I, 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 they're positive in nature. To me, they show, um, they show growth and, and, and learning and critical thought. Um, overall, again, I think they're a pretty good representation of, of the feedback we've received. One, one number that's not on the screen that I want to share is um, <clears throat> from frontline employees and supervisors. We heard from over 90% of them that during these trainings they learned at least one idea or skill that they, they can directly tie back to the work they do on a daily basis, which I think is an incredible achievement um, to think about how we're continually learning and growing as an organization. In addition to required racial equity trainings, we offer uh, a number of optional workshops throughout the year, things like uh, lunch and learns, um, caucusing, uh, <clears throat> book clubs, uh, tool-specific trainings, like trainings on using, say, the equity and budgeting tool. Um, and one of the outcomes of all these trainings, required and optional, is that we are helping to employees to develop a racial equity lens. And what I mean by that is, uh, to help employees develop a working understanding of how racism operates, the skills to identify racism and racial inequities, and the knowledge and creativity to find solutions to address those inequities. And I'd like to be clear in this instance, ra a racial equity lens is a skill. It's something you develop and you practice and you work on, and it's hard. And we're asking employees to do really hard and challenging work. <clears throat> so while the information that we're, I'm talking about now is, I think, overall positive, um, and, and the quotes that I've, I've shared are demonstrating learning and critical thought. These trainings are not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, they're, they're difficult and there's pushback. Um, we're teaching ideas that are uncomfortable and goes against things that people have thought for years or maybe even a lifetime. And so I'd like to, to delve into that just a little bit, what that pushback looks like and what, and what opportunities I think there are. Um, next slide, please. So on the screen, you'll see a sampling of feedback from different workshops that we've conducted uh, over the last year. Um, the top row are quotes from employees who are processing and grappling the training material. I think they're asking really thoughtful questions about, what do I do with all these ideas you're telling me? Like, okay, so, okay, so what's next? Like, implementation, operas, like how do we operationalize this? Um, how do I take all of this learning and actually put it into practice? Um, I think this is really normal. It's expected. Um, again, we're teaching employees to think and act differently, and it's a challenge. Um, we, we're also working to meet employees where they're at, so we get a wide range of kind of starting points around people's kind of exposure to and understanding of issues related to equity, diversity, and inclusion. The bottom row shows a sample of quotes from employees who are struggling in a different way, and I would, I would generously describe this as pushback. 
Um, and again, I think this is really normal, especially for an organization of our size and for such a diverse group of people. And I'm really encouraged by comments like this because while, while I think they show us where we continue to have work to do, I, I also think that it is a sign that people feel respected um, and, and maybe even safe. Safe enough to, to disagree, to get upset, uh, to, to voice opposition, um, and trust that, that they'll be heard and valued. Um, so they trust they won't be you know, reprimanded in any way for disagreeing with, with the content of this, these courses. Um, in, in, in the best case, what we're trying to do is create kind of a container where people can be brave. When they come into this workshop, you can ask questions that are hard, you can, you can challenge the ideas um, that, that we're teaching, um, and, and you can be brave uh, and, and supported in that. Um, and um, you know, the consequences of what are said are dealt with in a way that's respectful and, um, and authentic and, and ideally is building bridges. Um, so, <clears throat> and oftentimes it can be uh, tense, uncomfortable, um, but I, again, I think it, at best it teaches people to challenge their assumptions and to really listen to one another. So hopefully this is conveying some of the nuances of, of this work and kind of what we are navigating and what we are trying to address as we, we implement this training and development program for employees. Uh, and you know, I think the bottom line of all of this is that as an organization, we're, we're seeing that we're growing, we're changing, we're improving. Employees are learning and developing skills to not only address inequities, but also to build relationships interpersonally across difference. And I, I, I'm hopeful that ultimately this means that we do a better job of doing our job, of serving the communities that we serve, and of, of being partners with each other in this work. Thank you. All right, you've just heard us talk about several different components of our work, from budgeting to hiring to training. And I want to zoom back a bit and talk about how we tie this work together. Next slide, please. How we want to align it with our overarching goals and the accountability structure of our organization. I'm sure you're all very familiar with how mindful the port tries to be to ensure that our goals and objectives are clear and connected. From the broadest level of our century agenda goals to the individual level at the bottom of this illustration, we try to be clear how each of us fits into the whole of the port's mission. So highlighted in the blue here are areas in which we're trying to be clear about our equity-related equity expectations and accountability as well. Starting in 2022, we instituted individual EDI goals for all non-represented employees, and we're also working with represented partners to figure out how we can support EDI expectations and bargaining agreements as well. Rolling these up, I'm proud to share that thanks to the efforts of our change team, we have over 40 sets of departmental EDI goals for the port and one overarching division-level EDI goal. These were developed this past year, and we are now working to implement and track progress on these efforts over the course of 2023. Next slide, please. So how this is all coming together is in what you see here. It's a bit of a um, proof of concept. So imagine, if you will, this is a, uh, a web page, and you're cruising here to understand, OK, I know the the port has some expectations and has some guidance around data and equity, around how to track and report information around EDI goals, around how I can engage with community members. Uh, where do I go for that? So I find this web page. I click on any one of these tiles 
that correspond to you know what I'm what I'm curious about or what I want to better understand. Uh, so, for instance, if I'm a project manager and I understand that the port has expectations around stakeholder engagement, but I really don't have a lot of experience, where do I go? What do I do? How do I even begin? Right? Then, ideally, you would go find this resource page and click on the community engagement tile and be directed from point A to point Z in terms of what considerations need to be, be made, what kind of time allocations should be uh, considered as part of the project plan, who you can contact if you have further questions or you just need some clarification on how to apply uh, this community engagement into your stakeholder process. Right? So uh, what's really fun about this handbook that the change team has put together over this past year with a lot of effort and a lot of de dedication is that it's a living document. It's a living resource. Right? We can iterate on it, we can improve on it, and we can add to it. So as this organization continues to mature and develop develop its organizational maturity. Um, we will understand more needs, we will want to develop more tools, and we can add to this resource. So that's uh, what I see as a really fun part of this. In addition, a third strategy for our office is to be a leader nationwide in uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts. Right? So we see this as uh, the draft in your, in, your hand, in your packet also includes this as a PDF. And we anticipate being able to share this as a resource and a guide for others so that others don't have to reinvent that wheel. Right? As we're learning, as we're iterating, as we're growing, we want to be able to share that and grow with the broader community of folks who are trying to figure this stuff out. Right? Next slide, please. So what's next? We just talked a lot about the uh, highlights. We just really did a flyover of all the work um, that we've done over this past year. Uh, how are we measuring this? Next slide, please. What I want to focus on in this next slide is the outputs and the outcomes, because we just talked about the activities. But we also want to make sure that we're measuring the outputs of what we're doing. Right? Are we doing what we said we're going to do in terms of our facilitation and our training? How many trainings did we conduct? How many folks participated? Um, did we incorporate uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion competencies into job descriptions as we said we would, right? Or is that pending? Where's, what's the status on that? So we want to make sure that we're measuring and tracking that. In addition, we also want to measure the outcomes of all of the activities and investments we're making. Are those helping to actually move the needle, right? Uh, and if so, how so? So we have a survey that's going to help us track that and compare apples to apples year over year. Um, and this will all be captured in, next slide please. What we, our change team committee, one of our change team committees has developed as our equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging dashboards. Uh, because this is new work for the port, we've developed some interim tools to help us be able to gather that information and also visually uh, report that information. So all the assessments and goals that are shown here will be uh, represented in the dashboard. Next slide please. I know this is a bit of a busy slide, but the intent with this slide is to just show you a snapshot of what those tools will look like. The equity, diversity, inclusion reporting form, the dashboards that we have to track our measures of success. Um, and again, this is something that we are proud of because it's a way for us to demonstrate transparency and accountability. We anticipate you know, anyone within the organization can access these dashboards to see where we are, to again track how we're doing against what we've committed to. And also to hold us accountable, like are we actually doing that? Like if we're falling behind, why, why is that? Right? And they can ask us further questions um, and keep us honest. Okay. Next slide, please. 
And moving forward into 2023, the work of the assessments is not one and done in 2022. So we anticipate continuing implementation of this work in 2023 and tracking and monitoring the progress and pushing ourselves to, to um, continue to do better and to continue to improve for the sake of our internal communities as well as our external communities. The Equity Policy Directive, as you're very familiar, is a work in progress. Our team has been working tirelessly on that effort as well, been engaging stakeholders internally. Uh, you all have been a critical component of helping push this and provide valuable input. We've also gotten external feedback on this process and on the product. So we're looking forward to passage of that in 2023 and then implementation of that. Last but not least, environmental justice. While this is not new for us at the port, one of the, the aspects that is new that we're looking forward to is developing a coordinated and uh, consistent strategy, right? So a framework for us to be able to collectively come around uh, because nearly everything that the port touches and does has an impact on equity and environmental justice, right? So we wanna be intentional and deliberate about how we're uh, bringing the, our matrix organization uh, along and, and being, again, coherent, consistent, uh, and, um, competent in this area and, and making good, again, on our commitments to our communities. So next slide, please. I'm really honored to invite our Change Team partners to join us here, uh, who will speak to you all about the impacts of this work, um, about how this is landing in their, from their perspectives and in their areas of operation, and can speak a little bit more to what it looks like on the ground. So I'm gonna hand it over to Senior Director uh, of Human Resources, Katie Gerard, and we'll go from there. Welcome to the dais. Just want to do a quick time check here. It's 2.50, and we were supposed to be done with this at 2.40, but that's not Understood. to say that you guys should get through all your things, so. Thank you, yeah. uh, Commissioners and Executive Director McDirk for the opportunity to share some highlights of our equity work. With regards to hiring and recruitment, 2022 was a busy year. We filled 556 positions, 162 of our own current employees took on new roles, and we brought in 394 new employees to the port. We are working closely with OEDI and the change team to bring more structure and consistency to, our, to several of our hiring practices. Things like having panels watch um, and discuss the countering bias video prior to interviewing candidates and incorporating EDI questions into all interviews. We also partnered with the Development and Diversity Council under the leadership of Juan Martel um, to provide five informational sessions called showcases to share information about job opportunities. These showcases gave staff a chance to learn and ask questions about opportunities in aviation, procurement, project management, uh, marine maintenance, um, and others. Over 400 of our employees attended these five showcases. Talent acquisition staff are starting this year off just as busy. Uh, we've already filled 57 positions in 2023, and I um, am confident that we are all benefiting from some of these new practices in our processes. Perhaps one of the most impactful changes we made last year is a recommendation that came specifically from the Women of Color Assessment. We instituted a process for internal candidates who applied for a position but were not selected to ask for direct feedback from their hiring managers. The goal of this uh, for our internal candidates was to let them know that we were, uh, we want the, them to feel valued and respected for taking the opportunity and the chance by applying for a new position, um, but giving them the opportunity to get some direct feedback to see where they could improve um, and then hopefully develop a development plan from there. 
Transformational um, change takes time. While it's going to take time to really understand and measure the impact of all of these changes and improvements, I will say that I am confident that we are creating greater engagement from staff as we normalize and operationalize this work in our practices. And this is just a few of the things that are going on in partnership with uh, OEDI and the HR team. Uh, I, but I can um, be proud to say that we are furthering our port's values around equity, diversity, and inclusion. With that, I'd like to turn it over to Jermaine Murray of Port Construction Services. All right. Thank you, Katie. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive uh, Director Metric. The airport and maritime operations operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our represented and shift employees make up just under half of our employees. In my opinion, they are the lifeblood of our organization. They make sure we continue to function safely and efficiently. So efforts to make sure that they are receiving the information they need and have access to trainings and development opportunities and really feel valued, like valued members of our organization is extremely important to me. <clears throat> Since taking over it as Director of Port Construction Services, I've been working to address a lot of these barriers to our representative workers, workforce. Several members of the Port Constructions team and I are part of the Change Team Representative Shift Workers Committee. We created a list of best practices for supervisors of represented employees to use when figuring out how to create a more equitable engagement. At Port Construction Services, we have implemented and modeled many things to help reduce or eliminate logistical barriers, including we've added workstations. All employees have port cell phones so that they have access to emails and electronic communication and so that they can participate in development opportunities like link leadership or on virtual interview panels or attend trainings and events like town halls. We've also included EDI behavioral expectations into employee work rules so that we can hold employees accountable. We reclassified position titles to sound less gender specific such as general foreman to general supervisor and foreman to field supervisor. We also implemented consistent regular meeting equity moments and made EDI trainings required and more accessible both in terms of our budget barriers and logistical barriers. I can say our team has really begun to prosper and become willing to be vulnerable and uncomfortable in positive ways. Overall, I believe our employees feel more included and more valued. They feel like they belong. They feel like they can express their concerns and questions. They feel like they can ask questions, but more importantly, they feel like they can ask questions and, and, and hold managers accountable. We might not give them the answer that they like, but we can give them a, a detailed explanation. I also believe that my team is, team members are feeling encouraged, respected, and empowered by our focus on equality, especially the trainings that we've been able to offer uh, so far. And they're excited to have a seat at the table and an opportunity for their voices to be heard. And with that, I will turn it over to Sarah. Hey, thanks, Jermaine. And uh, good afternoon, commissioners, executive metric. Um, it's great to be here today to share a little bit about what it's been like to partner with your fabulous OEDI staff and programs. Um, I wanted to share about setting uh, uh, department-specific EDI goals and what that process has been like for departments and for my department in particular. Um, so goal setting, as we know, it's often a big undertaking, um, but it's critical as we strive to make improvements for EDI and to measure our impact. 
Uh, like other departments, we were led through an equity sweat analysis. Equity, well, it was a lot of sweat equity involved here. Uh, <laughs> there was equity SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Um, and led by our change team members in the spring of last year. The process itself was enlightening, and we had candid conversations. I think, as some of my colleagues have said here, uh, some of the best work are some of those challenging conversations amongst your small teams and your colleagues. Um, and based on that, we, we looked at ways that we could, what could we build on and how can we improve? We had a lot of ideas. And from that, we prioritized a few and we set equity goals for 2023 that are specific to our department's work and within the realm of things that we can control and influence. And we took time in these final months of 2022 to discuss how we're gonna measure uh, the, our progress on these very specific goals for our department. Uh, what type of goals should we set? I've got two examples I can share with you today. Um, and as I talk about them, I wanted to note that in addition to change team membership in my department, we also have had for several years an environmental justice team. So that environmental justice team of staff work closely with the change team members. Um, so our, one of the first goals I'll share is that we're committing to have an EJ or environmental justice team member from my department review each of our department job descriptions and provide feedback to the hiring manager as we prepare for a recruitment. This is in addition to the great work that Katie's team does too. Another goal example is that um, each of my department's seven work groups, and now we're getting into smaller teams, uh, they will workshop together to develop a work, pro work group or program specific EDI goal for 2023. And the change team and the EJ team members will support the groups in that exercise, and thus making the, the measures and goals very tangible for the specific teams. What I like about setting department-specific EDI goals is the ability to narrow our focus, to hold ourselves and each other accountable, and to practice equity as a collective work. It can be hard when goals are set at the organizational level, but we don't go through the process and steps to bring these goals into focus for the team and for the individual. Uh, folks may think, this goal sounds good, but how does my work fit into that organizational goal? So to my earlier point, setting these department goals helps us to move forward to create a more equitable port and it allows departments the flexibility to set goals that are applicable to the work they do and the things we can influence. In closing, it's just been an honor to work with this group and I'm really pleased that we have such a committed team and a committed leadership to equity, diversity, and inclusion. That concludes my remarks. I wanna bring up back the OEDI team. Thank you all. All right, so with that, are there any questions or comments from commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Hasegawa. Well, um, this is just such a tremendous body of work. It has not been a fast process. It's not been an easy process, but um, it has been an honest process. Um, and to see that represented here, I just want to commend and, and thank each and every one of you for what you're doing. Um, and there is new information here for me. I, um, I've got a few different questions, uh, and I'm going to try and just keep it as brief as possible. So I don't need super lengthy answers. But um, we've been looking forward to this day, so we got a lot of time. Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Um, all right, so um, the training information, the data that you collect of who has taken the um, training, has. D are you able to sort that in information by department? Yes, we can. And you're able to report out on participation? 
Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we were able to sort by department. Um, we're able to report out on participation. Okay. Absolutely. How did commissioners do? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'd be happy to get back to you with that information, though. I was just wondering, uh, Director Gazar? Yes, commissioners all attended the, the training. And we do, for example, reach out to Lance and say, you know, X number of supervisors have still not attended in aviation or to Stephanie in Maritime and ask for them to encourage people. And, and they've just been doing an incredible job of reaching out to their teams and encouraging people to attend. We've seen, it's been wonderful because we've had full participation from the executive leadership team and commission uh, because that, that point about leading by example for you to be visible, for you to be present in trainings is really important in our community. Yeah, I'm, uh, I acknowledge the importance of leadership in, in partaking in these trainings, um, not just supervisors and managers, but that also means the commission office. So I'm, I did not know the answer to that question. I'm glad I asked in public. It's a good answer. <laughs> um, but um, so, and how did the, is the commission office also required to participate? Yes, okay. commission office, all staff are uh, required to attend. And um, I'm not sure if we're communicating with Erin about how many are, and I think you now have a change team member and Erica is our change team That's member. That's wonderful. Is Erin. She was, Leanne will be moving forward. Leanne will be moving forward. That's wonderful, okay. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, um, is this, is that, what's the vision for continued training? Is it a one and done? Has there been a demand for more? Do we see expanding this and rolling this out as a series? I'm thinking of King County and their equity program and how they offer a series of courses and a certificate at the end for those who formally graduate. Um, what is your vision, Director Gazar? I'm gonna ask Jay if you would speak to this first. Honestly, it's, it's evolving. Um, we have developed what we're referring to as foundational courses in both of the tracks that I referred to. So there's, there's like a, what you can think of as a 101 and a 102 course for each track, for supervisors and for frontline employees or individual contributors. Mm -hmm. And this year we are moving towards, or, or transitioning to a model of uh, setting an hour limit uh, or hour requirement on what people must complete. Um, with an expectation that uh, folks complete that foundational training once every three years. Mm -hmm. And in the interim, uh, they can kind of, people can choose their own path on how they want to complete that using different workshops that we offer throughout the year, whether those are one-off standalone workshops or um, things like uh, caucusing events or book clubs or, um, or lunch and learns. And so trying to give people the opportunity to, to, to tailor that learning and development a little bit, um, but with the expectation that people have that, that same foundation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. Can I add to that, uh, Commissioner? I think the training, as you know, is evergreen, right? And, and you heard Katie uh, uh, report about new employees coming in, mm -hmm. so it's, it's constantly turning, but I appreciate your focus on that because it is, uh, 
as we develop. And we also have a large body, body of other mandatory training and the whole idea is to yeah. make it fit all together so we can accomplish that uh, to do that. But don't ask, don't ask me about my reporting on all my mandatory <laughs> training right now because <laughs> it may not be as good as my participation in the equity training. <laughs> um, I'm just particularly pleased to hear how um, the environmental team is really structuring this effort in collaboration with your outreach team. I've worked very closely with you all, and um, the feedback that I'm hearing from members of the public, um, particularly around the Duwamish Valley, is that the effort um, is palpable, and it does make a difference. Um, I really appreciate hearing your framework about the outwards facing versus the inwards facing and how both of those are central components to what we do as an institution. It's really a beautiful body of work and, and, I'm, and I'm so honored to be able to be a part of it. My last question is about your capacity as the coordinators and the, the thought leaders and in many ways the drivers behind all of this and um, what, what more do you, you put everything in, you talk about budgeting through an equity lens except not in the context of your own office's capacity. So what are your thoughts around that? Well, there's that saying of be careful what you wish for mm -hmm. because we I keep saying we want equity to be infused everywhere. And so we keep on being invited to the table and, and be engaged in more and more work. So, uh, you know, some of this is a, uh, a learning process, I think, for us of figuring out what is our scope of work, what will that look like. Um, but currently our staff is six, and I actually want to acknowledge and thank the other three members who are sitting here, Guadalupe Torres, Bushra Zaman, and V Nguyen, who are members of our team. And, uh, you know, we're adding an environmental justice um, expert this year. So, you know, I don't know the answer to your question. It feels like more and more work comes to our way, but um, I've been really grateful for the generosity and support that uh, Executive Director Metric has had to you know, hear, seeing how we need to expand, and that's been happening over time. So I, I feel confident that as we learn more, there will be more support in the future. Great, thank you, Commissioner Hasgal. Any other questions or comments from uh, commissioners? Wow, you guys are that thorough. Oh, all right, <laughs> Commissioner <laughs> Mohammed, go ahead. I'm channeling uh, Commissioner Feldman's energy. I'm like, I always have questions, right? <laughs> um, I say that in the most loving way. Um, <laughs> um, well, first of all, I, I also, similar to Commissioner Hasegawa, just want to acknowledge the work that you all do and how meaningful it is. I think even as a commissioner, having your office in place has been such a welcoming thing for me. And so, um, I just want to recognize that and hold that and, um, you know, uh, Director Gazar specifically, your leadership in the office I think is, is just, it's, it's amazing. This is heavy work. It's a lot of work as a department director for the city of Seattle um, when I'm not here. Um, it, it's, it's a lot to, to do this work and carry it through an organization and you guys are doing a, a phenomenal job. Um, I don't really have a lot of uh, any sort of questions that I want to ask, but I, I do want to hold space for um, employees of color, right? Especially black employees. Um, it's hard to come to the table and want to talk about this stuff. And when it's like mandatory, it, it feels, 
exhausting, especially when you're coming to the table and you feel like you have to teach it. That is hard work. And so I just, I wanna be sensitive to that. Um, we have to do this work in order to move forward. It's a must. And you can say that, look, because I am a, a change team member, does not mean I'm an expert on equity, nor do I want to be your expert on equity. That is, like, that is so important. You can't pick out staff members and expect them to carry it all. Um, it takes investment. We have to be able to invest in people who want to do that work, who want to be able to be part of that transition. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I feel like that is really important to say and um, investing in you guys' work is something that I think this commission is all committed to doing and finding out ways that we can continue to elevate the work. And that concludes my comments. Awesome. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioner Feldman. In keeping with your point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually am I, 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 I'm trying to empathize with the challenge of taking these uh, concepts and trying to put them into a dashboard. How do you quantify this tracking of your progress. And so I, I, I see this one very complicated page with multiple <laughs> pie charts and histograms, and it's very small, so I can't look at it very carefully. But I, I would imagine that, um, and, and to your question, it was like by department, this is all kind of, it seems like a very thorough breakout. And so right now, this is populated by one year worth of data, or is this just sort of like, what you hope to do in the future. I'm, I'm just trying to, because this seems to be the punchline, right? In terms of when you come to us on an annual report, how we doing is the question, right? So this seems like a great condensation of all your work, or at least the results thereof. And That's right. So what you see there, um, so the larger slide with the, uh, the pie charts is representative, the left side is actually accurate. It represents Q3 data of, in terms of our progress on equity assessment and women of color assessment actions. The pie chart on the right is for departmental goals. That was, we made up data for that just so that we could have a visual. But that will start to populate in Q1 of this year when we start to collect reporting from that. Um, and that is broken down by departments um, it is broken down by equity assessment actions. We can uh, flip flip those that information, and you can look at it by uh, issue areas. You can look at it by responsible parties. Um, so there are multiple ways you can slice and dice and view this information. The point is that we want to make sure that we're being transparent, right, with how we're doing according to what we said we wanted to to commit to. If I could uh, add uh, uh, that. This is tremendously innovative work because, you know, what we're saying basically is that we are qualitatively wanting to change the air that we breathe. But we also, we want to be able to quantify where we are, report on progress, show that we are changing things and keep everyone's eyes on that internally, but also hopefully share this with our community externally. And this is one of the things that is incredibly hard to do and I think a lot of people are looking to us as leaders uh, for. Hence my empathy towards your, but I, I also was thinking that, you know, this is sort of thing that on an annual report basis, as this gets populated, this would be just a really great way to reflect on how you're evaluating yourself. And, which, and, and the punchline is how the community is evaluating this yes, situation. That's so right. that's, the, that's the results we're looking at. That's and right. 
And it just, I, I just salute you for trying to put it down in a quantifiable fashion within the constraints of this sort of societal questions. So anyway, so I, I just look forward to seeing this in a sort of standardized basis. I was also wondering, because you know, like the last motion or order that we did was you know, regarding Holocaust. And so how do you, what do you, what's the process by which you develop a lunch and learn? What, what, it, what is the initiation of an issue, whatever, whatever one we bring up? So is there a, I mean, because I think the way that particular order was that we would try to integrate it into training or education. But, and you suggested a lunch and learn as potentially. I'm just wondering, that, like, how do we follow through or ask for something specific or just, I, I just don't know how that process would go. We actually already followed through on that and connected with the speakers that we heard from that day and you were on the radio with, and we are planning a lunch and learn this year to be able to uh, really do a deep dive on the, that order and learning how we can confront um, anti-Semitism. But to, uh, to more broadly, we're continually hearing from our employees about what are the topics that are of interest to you? How could we, um, you know, what, what are the lunch and learns that you want to, you know, uh, see more of? And uh, book clubs, you know, people make suggestions about books, podcasts. Is there more you want to add? Um, I, I would just say it's, uh, it's working with a larger community to recognize like we we aren't the experts in all of these areas and there's some things that we can 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 bring as experts either through like our our educational professional backgrounds or lived experiences but um it's not everything and so we're we we're trying to connect with with people inside and out, outside of the organization that can 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 lead to kind of a larger community of learning and and like that mentality of let's learn together in public uh, so I I don't know I think it's and my question was really more about process and substance of course there are gonna yeah. be things yeah. that are yeah. outside of our, our world's experience and so just in terms of procedurally I mean lunch and learn seems like a really clever thing mm -hmm. are commissioners able to sit in the back of the room I mean not to be right. a overt presence and those sort of things absolutely yeah, I mean, or you or just it, have to go as undercover is, boss. Is that is that? <laughs> I mean, I I asked that question specifically for that reason, not to stifle the conversation. Anyway, what what we hear from uh, port employees is that they they always find it inspiring to see the five of you and executive director metric in in these trainings. All right, last but not least, um, I, I just want to. I think Aaron was like the only guy around in the day, but you know, when Courtney Gregoire and I. Uh, formed the Energy and Sustainability Committee. We invited the community to come and tell us what they think and what are, what are we not doing. And the environmental justice issue was by far like, you know, you have to acknowledge that we're your neighbors and we're definitely taking more of the brunt. And, um, and that was very much uh, heard by us. And that when, um, that was like the year before Steve got hired. And so I, I just remember that, um, when Steve got here, it was like the first thing was like, we got it, we, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do this? And the importance of having this role in the executive leadership team, I always thought was the most critical mm -hmm. if it's going to saturate through the organization. So I just wanna express my appreciation how far we've come since this early recommendation and thank you for all your work.
Thank you. Great, Commissioner Calkins. Just really quickly, I'm excited to work on the um, Equity and Workforce Committee this year to get to return to digging into some of the details on this issue. The other thing I would say, and I, and I think I mentioned in the briefing, along with that question of how do we continue to evaluate the effectiveness of this work, is I also want us to be thinking of some Plan B approaches. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think uh, some of the tools that we would like to be able to use in this work are uh, could are under threat, that uh, we have a Supreme Court that's not um, particularly interested in, in um, this kind of equity work as a uh, fair means of um, addressing historic inequities. And so in some ways I want us to be thinking creatively about while we know that there are disparate impacts tied to race, if we don't have race as the, the means of defining how we address them, are there other proxies like class or underserved communities or um, using data as we have with our roadmap, our equity roadmap, to be able to approximate some of that too. So not seeking an answer here, but just I do hope that that is incorporated into our equity committee work this year, is thinking about that kind of plan B if we do lose some of our tools. Thank you. Excellent. And I'll just close by, oh, go ahead, Steve. No, no. Sorry, Commissioner. I was going to say, no, no. if I could just speak out. Yeah. That uh, I just wanted to thanks commissioners and I want to thank the team. I think you were almost on the verge of giving the EDI team a round of applause, but I think I'd like to do that if we if we yeah. can. Thank you. And let me just say uh, just say a couple points following up is and I think it's important, but it's also great to see the other people that are integrating across the point with Sarah, um, Katie, and Jermaine that they spoke about that and how we're doing that because that's important because to me it. Uh, the Office of OEDI is not the doer, they're the integrator across the organization. So, and that's our vision to do that across all the work, and I think you're seeing that, reflecting that here. And one uh, related to that is uh, like the environmental justice, you funded in your budget a position for that. That's the integrator position across the port in Bukta and uh, external relations. And, uh, and then also the third member is... Uh, it's, environment. Yeah, environment. Yeah, it, uh, Sandy Kilroy in there of those, and is the integrating of the work across all we do. And again, this is integrating across all we do is really important, I think, for us for our approach in business planning. And 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 Tanya's done an incredible job of the the tracking and doing this. But I think really the vision is we need to put it into our business plans. These are not standalone plans; they're integrated with the way that we do business and are reflected in our budgets as we go forward. Those are important, uh, Lee. And then on a uh, a small note, I will, I will mention that, is that uh, I do not believe the words mundane and something we don't think about pertaining to the budget process. As a former CFO, <laughs> I have to say it's exciting and something we think about all the time is the budgeting process. So, but anyway, if that's okay, Tanya, on that, that uh, I think the, the CFO was texting me thinking, it's exciting. <laughs> you can tell my bias, where yeah, I'm coming from. Anyways, but because it is important because it is how we get things done. So thank you, Commissioners, for all your support for that. Thank you, Commissioner. Yeah, I'll just President close by, uh, you know, just saying um, we really are uh, ahead of the curve on this, and I can't express that uh, accurately enough. You know, as commissioners, we serve on a lot of board, external boards and um, of, of organizations in the community, and Quite frankly, it's astonishing to me sometimes when issues of EDI come up. Um, it's like, oh, actually, we've already dealt with that at the port. And then we provide, I guess that's our role as board members of these organizations. But 
I have yet to really uh, rub shoulders with any organization that's you know uh, that much further ahead uh, than us on this organization. And it's a huge testament to the great work you guys are doing. I also just want to take a second to thank my fellow commissioners for being bought in to this and also fully participating in the trainings. Uh, I think it was you, Bukta, or someone uh, in the presentation said that it's important that we get the buy-in from the top down, from the top, so that everyone, you know, from the top down is also bought in. Bought in, and that's not that doesn't end with Steve. It ends with and ends with the uh, commissioners because we're the ones who pass the policies. And if we're not walking the walk when we're just talking the talk, then people are not people are not going to be able to um, buy in themselves. And so I appreciate everyone here taking the time. It's it was actually several hours of training, and uh, I do appreciate that. So with that, I'm going to ask Ms. Commissioner Hazegawa to ask her remaining questions. I have just uh, a couple last questions. Um, does PUSPD or um, the fire department do the trainings too? Yes. And then my other question is, do, um, does each department have any sort of a performance measure of reporting the number of um, informational materials that it's putting out or the number of community members that it engages in one year? Do you mean how uh, how community members are engaged in their work or how decisions are made? No, I Which mean just like at the state of Washington, for example, every agency has to report um, to OFM the number of informational materials going out of your office to consumers and then how many people, how many people you've interacted with over the course of a year. You have to physically tally that, that stuff up to the best of your ability. If that is the case for us, I'm not aware of it. Do, um, so that is something that we'll look into, Commissioner, and definitely get back to you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Azagawa. All right. Thank you, team. Appreciate the time and the, uh, the thorough report to us. Thank you. Thank you. If I could just say, please, yeah. in closing, that um, none of this would be possible without the unwavering support that the five of you and Executive Director Metric have offered to this work. I know that m many, many people in similar positions really fight in their organizations just to be heard and find a seat at the table. So I thank you for the support that you offer to us. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, we are going to move on to our last item of the agenda, which is item 11B, committee, 2022 committee report and 2023 committee work plans. Um, we have Leanne and Pete. Good afternoon, commissioners. We know that you've had a really long day, so we're going to talk really fast because we know some of you have to still go get those last-minute Valentine's Day uh, gifts. Um, all right, so good afternoon. I don't have anything. You can take your time. <laughs> You can be my Valentine. <laughs> All right. Well, good afternoon. Uh, for the record, Leanne Shredo, a Deputy Chief of Staff. Um, I'm here to introduce the 2022 committee report out and 2023 committee work plans. Um, with me are your, is your strategic advisor team, along with, with um, Chief of Staff Aaron, who will introduce themselves as they report out. Um, oh, slide deck when we get a chance. Sorry, I forgot I'm not driving it. Um, thank you, Aubrey. Um, let's see. 
As you know, each strategic advisor serves as liaison to at least one committee. Uh, they work in close collaboration with divisions, subject matter experts, and committee members to deliver on the approved committee charter. Um, next slide, please. We currently have six standing committees. Next slide, please. The audit committee represents the commission and excuse me rep represents the commission and provides review and oversight authority on matters relating to the port's internal control environment. Commissioner Cho was a 2022 chair, and Commissioner Mohammed was a committee member. Uh, Sarah Holstrom serves as the public member. This will remain the same for 2023. As you can see, the committee oversaw the uh, the issuance of 17 audit reports last year. And I know you're all familiar with the ACH fraud incident that was identified and addressed by um, audit and through the audit committee last year. Next slide, please. And 2023 will, is similar to uh, what was planned for 2022, but we're not planning for any fraud this year. <laughs> and then I'll pass it on to, uh, to Pete. On that note, uh, I'm Pete Mills, strategic advisor to the commissioner and staff to the aviation committee. Uh, in 2022, the commissioner, commissioners Cho and Mohammed co-chaired the Aviation Committee and held meetings throughout the year. Although I did just notice that slide says Calkins and Mohammed, it's it was uh, last year Cho and Mohammed. Uh, the committee was briefed on uh, and provided input on a variety of operational initiatives and capital projects, including on-demand taxi program issues uh, and the issues voted on today. Uh, the SEA CARES initiative, flight corridor safety program, uh, the international arrivals facility opening, checkpoint one, north uh, employee parking lot, and others. This year, in 2023, Commissioners Mohammed and Calkins are chairing the Aviation Committee. Issues that will be covered this year include ground transportation and airport access issues related to taxi, transportation network companies, the Airport Drive, Active Transportation, and Transportation Management Association. Uh, the airport uh, community concerns uh, will also be uh, considered, including airport noise mitigation and long-term needs of the airport. Finally, this year's committee will look at CIP projects and airport dining and retail issues that, uh, uh, and planning issues as they arrive. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioner, uh, Commissioners and Executive Director. My name is Erica Chung, Strategic Advisor, um, and I uh, facilitate the Sustainability, Environment, and Climate uh, Committee. Uh, in 2022, uh, SCSC Committee was co-chaired by Commissioners Kalkin and Hasegawa and met nine times. Some of the work uh, included review of the three capital improvement projects under the Sustainable Evaluation Framework ensuring all capital projects, decisions, and key operational decisions advance port sustainability goals and objectives, um, which included World Trade Center West Roof, West Roof Replacement, Downey Building Upgrade, Berth 6 and 8 Upgrades. The committee also reviewed the sustainable evaluation framework itself to ensure its policy is working as intended, and Green Hydrogen Study Update on Viability and Scalability, the King County Municipal Solid Waste Study, a progress report reviewing the viability of municipal solid waste for sustainable, eval sustainable aviation fuel, and international travel uh, discussion and lessons learned and opportunities. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Thank you. 
2023, uh, Sustainability, Environment, and Climate Committee is co-chaired by Commissioners Hasegawa and Fellman and are currently scheduled to meet monthly. A few items in the committee's work plan include capital improvement projects under, under the Sustainable Evaluation Framework, including Terminal 91, North Main Terminal Redevelopment, Main Terminal Improvement Project, Tree Stewardship Motion, taking a holistic approach to trees and conservation efforts, Cruise uh, MOU and Environmental Cruise Agreement, working with our partners to be Thank at the know. forefront in reducing their environmental impacts, Maritime Climate and Air Action Plan Implementation, uh, 2022 update and truck electrification, sustainable aviation fuel and municipal solid waste study, Seattle Waterfront Clean Energy Strategy update, Green Corridor Feasibility Study update, annual port-wide 2022 greenhouse gas emission inventory results with building energy use updates, monitoring our progress, clean maritime fuels and hydrogen hub opportunities update, and electric vehicle charging study update and building electrification plan. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Tyler Emsky, and I was honored to staff the Equity and Workforce Development Committee in 2022, and I will be staffing it uh, this year as well. Uh, last year, we had the co-chairs, commissioners uh, Cho and Mohammed. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. We good? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, the big thing we worked on in committee was that we reviewed and recommended to the commission an equity policy directive. Uh, we did secure preliminary uh, committee approval of the equity policy directive train, uh, framework at the October uh, meeting of the committee, uh, and that is currently tentatively calendared uh, for commission approval at the second commission meeting in March. Uh, other things we did in committee in 2022 is we provided strategic direction and recommendations on the port's uh, career-connected learning strategy, including youth career launch, uh, we monitored and provided input into the port's apprenticeship and priority hire programs. We developed and approved the three-year anti-human trafficking work plan, uh, initiated development of a port-wide language access order, uh, which we are currently working on, and we're looking at uh, the first meeting in March to, for commission consideration of that. Uh, and we also monitored the progress of the Wimby Barrier Study. Uh, that will be coming up in committee uh, in the first uh, committee of March. So uh, next year, our, there we go, this year. Uh, we are excited to say that we have two new uh, commission co-chairs, uh, Commissioners Calkins and Hasegawa. Uh, some of the highlights of the work plan this year, reviewing that Wimby Barrier Study I just talked about, uh, approving a definition of equity-related resources per the yet-to-be-passed Equity Policy Directive, so building uh, that plan as it is taken off. Uh, we will be reviewing and updating the diversity and contracting goals for the next five-year period. We're coming to the end of the uh, initial five-year period there. And we're going to be exploring the establishment of an architects and engineers small works list per uh, Commissioner Hasegawa's suggestion uh, at the first uh, committee meeting of the year. Next slide, please. Okay. Also, we're going to be uh, monitoring the development and results of the SEA child care study performing an initial evaluation of the Equity Policy Directive implementation and receiving a preliminary update on the launch of the Port's uh, Environmental Justice Initiative. Uh, it's going to be a big year. I'm very excited about it. Uh, now I'm going to hand it over to David to discuss the Waterfront and Industrial Lands Committee. Good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Metric. I'm Strategic Advisor David Yeaworth. Last year, the Commissioners Fellman and Hasegawa co-chaired the Waterfront and Industrial Lands Committee. 
the key issues that came before the committee were the City of Seattle's industrial lands rezone, industrial lands transportation corridors, real estate development, and tourism, which as you may recall culminated in the first ever responsible outdoor travel summit. Next slide, please. The work plan for this coming year is very similar. Commissioner Fellman and Calkins will oversee a work plan that includes continued monitoring of the city's industrial lands rezone, a focus on industrial lands properties, and identifying ways for bicycles to coexist with working industrial lands. Our tourism work is taking a more external path. Commissioner Fellman will be serving on the United States Travel and Tourism Advisory Board, and he serves on the Visit Seattle Advisory Board. And we're continuing our work on responsible outdoor travel with the State of Washington Tourism. And I'll turn it over to Erica. Hello again. Um, I staff the uh, Arts Committee. Um, in 2022, Portwide Arts and Culture Board, co-chaired by Commissioner Fellman and Hasegawa, convened five meetings. At the uh, November 29, 2022 commission meeting, senior art program manager Tommy Gregory gave his annual report to the commission highlighting the status of the portwide uh, arts and cultural program, including new and upcoming <coughs> installations, acquisitions, conservation efforts, temporary exhibits, and diversification of artists in the collection. And I would just like to highlight just a few notable accomplishments in 2022, which is implementing the beacons at SCA that connects passengers with airport art collection using their mobile device, hosting the 2022 American Association of Airport Executives Arts in the Airport Workshop at SCA, showcasing SCA's world-class art collections, installation of art projects that offer much-needed funding to artists who are severely impacted by the pandemic with the um, digital Art We the Stars by Meja Petrick as part of the all-gender restroom renovation at Gate B9 and Little Free Library at the airport so kids can enjoy free books while waiting. Um, and also hosting of temporary art exhibits by local multidisciplinary artist Emily Tanner McLean called Women is a Word B-Side at 69 and Schmidt Ocean Institute exhibit at Pier 66. Next slide, please. In 2023, the Portwide Arts and Culture Board will be convened by, uh, will be co-chaired by Commissioners Fellman and Cho and are scheduled to meet every other month starting in February and has the following work plan for 2023. Art installation has six capital improvement projects. This will greatly give further opportunities for local artists who are still recovering from the pandemic. We'll be sharing multiple RFPs in the, with the public in the upcoming months for restroom phase four project the restroom phase five project, North Main Terminal, checkpoint one, and then the widened arrivals. We have two artists that have been selected and are working on design phase. For Concourse C project, we have 10 artists uh, have been selected and are waiting to receive their contract from CPO to start the design phase. And also they'll be working on public engagement tours to share our assets with the local communities, conservation and relocation of art that were damaged or impacted due to the capital improvement projects, and art collection appraisal, which was last done in 2026, 2016, and website update to make art more accessible to the public. Thank you. Next slide, please. <laughs> and that's you. <laughs> I'll cover these last two. 
Uh, the governance committee we uh, comprises of the current president and past president, and so last year it was Calkins and Fellman, and as we head into 2023, it will be Commissioners Cho and Calkins. Uh, I think probably the biggest uh, lift on that will be competing, completing the work that they did on the ethics code review. Uh, that has come a long ways, but there's still some uh, ends to tie up there. And I also believe that uh, uh, Clerk Hart has some uh, bylaws uh, updates and changes that just based on a yearly review, I promise it won't be the big heavy lift of trying to redo the entire thing. Right, Michelle? Okay, great. Um, and so those are the, the two things for the Governance Committee. On the Ad Hoc uh, Small Business Committee, uh, it takes a little while to sort of hone in on what the pieces are, but I believe uh, Commissioner uh, uh, Muhammad, is that you know we've you've had some conversations around the public market study that's going on, uh, some conversations around the community connectors, and one element that might be a portion of that as well is uh, seeing how the accelerators work that Commissioner Cho put in the budget uh, might wrap up into that. But I think we should have a conversation over the uh, month of and look towards maybe uh, a March sort of. We can do that in a formal order, or we can just uh, deliver a memo over to commissioners saying this is what we intend to do on this uh, ad hoc committee. Uh, but I think formalizing it does give it a sense of, of mission and purpose and, and keeps it limited and focused. So that's a conversation we can keep having, but uh, we should be able to wrap that up within the uh, next 30 days or so. Great. Any questions or comments for Aaron or the team on our committees? Okay. Go ahead. It was – it pertained to the um, – it was, I think, industrial landscape. It was about – or is the Air Force Committee on – and lessons learned about tourism or um, what was the, it was uh, international travel I marked it and of course didn't keep it I I just didn't know what that entailed um, of course it's not here so anybody know what I'm referring to I have it what's that help me well the problem is he took his say what um, no, it was lessons learned from from international travel and. She's Aubrey's saying Thank seven. You. It's getting old, getting late. Um, Sorry, Commissioner. That was from the uh, SCAC, SCAC committee um, at our last uh, committee meeting in 2022. Um, if I can jump in, is that about the trips that we made to uh, yeah. Japan? There we go. Yeah. It's yeah, lessons learned. Lessons learned from that coming oh, back. Oh, this is to, this to looking, back at, looking back at the travel that we yeah. did. Yes. Yeah, and the follow-up, you know, probably follow-up well, with the uh, kind of a great sister ports. Sister ports, yeah, sister ports, and where do we go from there? I, I've never seen that established like that. I think that's very valuable. Great. Commissioner uh, Mohamed? Oh, no, okay, all right, sorry. Um, uh, I, I wanted to add that for the Arts and Culture Board, or the, that committee, we need, I would like to, I think I've mentioned this seven, several times, so I'd like us to revisit uh, our definition of art and the mandate of the art program. I don't see that in here, so I'd like to add that to that. Um, it's in the that, eye of the beholder. That was a good one. <laughs> Um, Understood. I will add that to the 2023 work plan. 
All right, no other questions or comments. Thank you, team. Really, oh, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, I just want to say I think it really shows the you know how far we've come along these committees that uh, commissioners seem, uh, participate, understand the value, and understand sort of we had we didn't have to explain this year what are these committees' purpose and what are they for. And I think that you know just for the public it, that it allows commissioners to divide it by very very large workload into smaller bite-sized chunks and then inform their commissioners as a whole about you know how the progress and what items they've seen come forward. So really appreciate all your work on this. Uh, and uh, leave that as a close. Thanks. Excellent. And Let's go it ahead. should be noted that Aaron started all that process, so thank you. Mm -hmm. Good call. All right, so that concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Hazagawa. I guess I do just want to say thank you so much to the staff and the, and the commission staff helping make the committee process so manageable and so um, such an optimal use of our time. Um, and I have really enjoyed my assignments so far and look forward to the good work ahead. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Executive Director Metric, any closing comments today? I just point out thanks, commissioners, for a great agenda today, but also the next meeting will be in will be in March, yes. correct? It's March. Yeah. Uh, the majority of us will be in Long Beach, California for TPM, so we're looking forward to that. <laughs> Hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there's no objection, we are adjourned at 3.40 p.m. Thank you, everyone.